What's going on, everybody? Cali Death Podcast back once again, episode 14. Uh, thank you, Christopher Beetle, for that wonderful fucking intro. Got you out this time, not in the middle of the podcast this time. <laughs> Thanks very much, dude. It fucking rips. I love to hear it every time, dude. Uh, so today, with myself, the resident homies, Casey, Joel, and Joseph, we got Nate Bennett Benarucci from Ontogeny Anomalous, and... Uh, we're going to be talking some old school Cali death scene going back yeah, 15 up? plus years with you, dude. Oh yeah. Soul Asunder, dude. We're going yeah, to go back, way back to that shit. There we go. Yeah, dude. What's going on, brother? Uh, you know, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. It's a, uh, it's uh, an honor to be on the podcast. I'm a, I'm a long time listener since it started. So <laughs> fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. Fuck we yeah. talked about it for a little bit. We knew we'd squeeze you in here. So right on. here we are, dude. Fuck yeah. Fuck cool. yeah. Yeah, the, the titans of Cali death metal hosting this. Or <laughs> I don't know about that. I think we got the titans on for the first few episodes before. Uh, oh, got, dude, Eads, that, that shit was so awesome. You know, fuck I, yeah, dude. I mean, I, if you think about it, like the timing was so perfect for us to start it, them doing their album, like it was just such a natural episode one, you know? Fuck, and the album rips, dude. The, the, that new album is so fucking good. But De Deeds was like, Hearing that band for the first time, that was like, what is that? I heard Path of the Weakening. Uh, I remember the, the way they sold it to me is I went to Amoeba and they went, that's like Cannibal Corpse put on crack. And I was like, well, fuck yeah, that sounds awesome. I like that. So they put it in and I was, I couldn't believe it. It was so awesome. So D the Flesh oh, was yeah. a first Fuck's time. Down. That was a great first episode for sure. Yeah. It's a turning point for a lot of us, dude. I mean, that, yeah, you, you come across all the like, heavy hitters you know what your cannibal corpse morbid angel deicide all that shit and you fall in love with it you get your real connection with death metal and then you start digging a little bit deeper and you start finding these bands like deeds of flesh Discourge, and many others but you know cali death podcast dude um so yeah dude it, it and it's cool that that we could have you on and and have some stories from back in the day when we used to play shows together you know both soul asunder and uh ontogeny have opened up for both the bands that i've been in so we got some stories there but yeah dude like like we always do take us back to uh the beginning how old were you when you picked up that fucking guitar and became that well, prodigy shredder you are dude <laughs> Yeah, I'm definitely not a prodigy. Uh, that's for sure. So, like, well, yeah, you were. Now you're a master. So, <laughs> <laughs> still not, not even close. But, like, so me with music, I guess I always grew up hearing my dad when I was like four singing like Phil Collins and the Beatles and uh, just in his car. And I always remember my dad sounding exactly like the guy on the radio. No matter who was singing, he could manipulate his voice to sound just like. And I thought that was amazing. So, it always made oh, yeah. me just listen to music with my dad all the time. So, it, that brought in then I uh, my brother got a guitar and I was like well I'm jealous of shit he has a guitar he's way cooler than me now I got nothing so when I was seven years old I got a $20 acoustic guitar at an antique store and I, it just I, I wanted to learn everything I could that uh, I had in front of me and my dad played guitar so I learned all the Beatles songs because my dad knew all the Beatles songs so the Beatles for me you mentioned Paul McCartney earlier when we were first starting that was huge, you know, listening to actual records my dad had and playing them and my dad telling me the stories of him listening to it. That just got me so involved with music at an early age. You and just then, part, I'm sorry to cut you off, dude, but real quick about your dad. I want you 
you don't have to go into it right now, but I just remembered when I came over to your house to do my first uh, jump at the recording for Odious, you had told me that somebody had found a recording that he did back in the day and yeah. they restored it. So let's yeah. get to that at some point. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's definitely like coming full circle that, that, cool, cool. Like that inspiration. So, yeah. Then, so my dad started that inspirational music and then my brother, like I said, he was like the one I looked up to and uh, thought was the coolest guy in the world. And he showed me Metallica. I remember him putting Metallica one in uh, uh, he like my, my headphones and hearing that and coming from the Beatles and hearing one starting with like clean guitars. It was kind of the perfect transition. And then once the metal started, I was like, I didn't know what to do with it. That was kind of too much energy for a little kid to take in, but it, it imme immediately made me go, oh, well, that's it. I'm learning every single Metallica song. So I learned every single Metallica song and was, uh, I, I got my first electric guitar at like eight years old. So I wanted to learn every Metallica song. And that was my goal. I learned every Metallica song. I played Metallica songs at talent shows at my school. It was the, it was my shit. And then I heard Sepultura and I heard Max Cavalera growl for the first time. That was kind of like, holy shit, that, that's mm -hmm. a different thing. Sepultura, that guy's not growling. He sees melodic singing kind of. Uh, and then it, I heard Ace Ventura, Cannibal Corpse, and I just went, there's a whole other thing that I don't know about, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's a genre I don't know about. And so I bought Tomb of the Mutilated, the censored version, and that kind of, because that was the only thing I could find. I didn't know about Amoeba Records when I was like nine, nine years old. So uh, yeah. discovering Amoeba Records was the biggest thing ever because they had a whole section to uh, it was called black metal but it had like death metal black metal every, yeah. everything all in the way it. tucked in the back right corner yeah and there was two dudes who would do the recommendations there was brandon and there was steveville those were the two dudes and that was from an earlier podcast you guys i think said the names wrong by the way oh okay okay <laughs> it was steveville and brandon and brandon was my shit because he 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 knew he showed me necrophagist That's when he him, was just dude. playing to a drum machine and he mm -hmm. said this shit's going to change your life, dude. And I put that in and I, I went, this, it did. Yeah. That, that, that was, <laughs> yeah. yeah dude, I forget what we named him. What, what is his name? What, what's the name of the dude that, that was, recommended it? name was Brandon. And the other guy was Steveville. Steveville would do all the black metal and like satanic stuff. Yeah, dude. I'm, yeah. All right, it's all coming back, dude. Yeah. Same yeah. dude gave us, turned us on to Necro as well. Yep. Yeah. He turned, he turned me on to a lot of shit in my, uh, so my brother and my, my brother's friend Mike and our friend Mike, they, they were just so into that scene and they were old enough to go to the shows. So a lot of the shows I wasn't old enough to get into when the scene was first starting in the Bay Area as far as like the early 90s. A lot of 21 and up shows. I couldn't get into a lot of them, but I was lucky my first shows to get some pretty good ones. I mean, I saw Opeth on their first US tour Ooh. play, at the, play oh, wow. at the Pound, you know, with 200 people there. And that was like, I, I was I was I think nine or ten years old when I saw that and it was unbelievable and I got to talk with uh, Peter from Opeth afterwards and I saw In Flames in Oakland at a warehouse and I could only go to shows like my dad would take me to so my dad was going to see all these bands my dad's seen Opeth he's seen he's seen Cannibal Corpse it, Cannibal Corpse I got away with because uh, that one uh, was that's a rough sell to parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, I've been lucky to have the coolest parents ever. That's really what it is. My, my dad, uh, I remember just him looking at some of my death metal CDs, looking at the imagery and just saying like, 
are you all right? First off, <laughs> like for, you're cool, right? You know, this is entertainment, right? That's what he wanted to make sure you know. It's like, this, is, this isn't real shit. These, these people are doing this for entertainment. And he said, as long as you know that and you're appreciating guitar playing, I'm cool with you doing this. And I think that's a great approach to it. You know, it was educating you because it's saying never listen to this would just make you go, well, I'm finding that. I want to listen to that. Thing. Most definitely. Yeah. So, uh, so lucky I had great parents and a great brother just showing me music and just showing me endless music. So I was just practicing guitar all the time and hearing my brother he had a band that was way good so hearing that and just being inspired by his projects and the music i was hearing uh but it took me forever to find a band you know uh i think i think before like i know i'm i'm skipping a lot of inspirations because for me music is just all over the place inspiration wise i can recount so many things that i've heard that just blew my mind mashuga when i first heard it was the, the it still is my favorite thing in the world but it, it blew my mind when i first heard it and my, my the way my brother showed it to me was learn this song and i'll show you the notes it was three notes and i was like three notes nothing i got this and I, <laughs> I sat in that room for 15 minutes and i was just like i i i don't understand what's going on and i know it's really cool and i want to figure out what's going on so that what album I, was he showing you he showed me none and okay. it was mm. uh the first song off none and it's didn't 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 yeah, yeah. didn't did that riff and I, I i i understand it now and it's my uh sound check song forever because <laughs> it was that riff that made me just appreciate rhythm a lot and i started noticing rhythms and i started noticing what i liked about bands like even cannibal corpse for being a straightforward death metal band they they kind of don't know they're doing odd time signatures a lot of the times but like the on bloodthirst especially oh, yeah. Those grooves on Bloodthirst, that that type of stuff, rhythmic stuff was always my would catch my ears a lot. I love playing with rhythms and and messing with them and feeling things in different time signatures. And so that's kind of my flow. And I'm talking too much. So yeah. No, it's awesome, man. <laughs> it's so funny. The, the what you, your story like is almost identical to mine. Like it'd be my it was my dad who's a bass player listening to nothing but classic rock was a kid and then my brother was like hey here's this metallica album and like showed me metallica and then i went to sepultura and like <laughs> it's like it's yeah. almost like almost identical i mean i had a i had a 90s alternative phase you know that when my brother moved away where i, well, I still love all that shit to be honest uh, I, I i i love a lot of music and i always have and it, music to me even like before originally in the death metal scene in california too it was like, I'm a tech death guy. That's what I like. I like tech death. I like brutal tech death. Or you like melodic metal, right? Or you like, the, it was very kind of separated. Now it's way, they're intersecting each other a lot. Melodies influencing everything and everything's intersecting, which is awesome. But before it was very separated. So uh, I feel like our progression, in your progression, my progression, makes it so you appreciate a lot of shit because you, you progress. Yeah. You still always, I hear Allison Chains and I go, man, that shit's badass, you know? Uh, I, yeah. I, and you guys were talking shit about corn and I got a real problem. No, no, first of all, first of all, <laughs> I fucking sharpied on my backpack, follow the leader as it was written exactly with the backwards R's and shit. And I got ripped on so hard at school. It was my first day of high school. I showed up with a follow the leader sharpie onto my backpack like yeah i'm gonna show these motherfuckers what's up and everyone's just like what the fuck you like corn like fucking lame and i was like 
when that just made me more angsty and like, ooh, I like it even more now. <laughs> <laughs> well, like for me, I heard corn at the same time I heard Metallica. So it was of the first okay. stuff I heard. So I heard that seven string guitar was one thing that was just like, that sounds yeah. cool as shit. It's seven game string. changer. And then, you know, when you're a little kid and hearing some dude cry like a little kid is awesome. You know, it's like a, you can relate <laughs> to that when you're a little kid, especially a lot. But uh, it was just raw and heavy at the time. But then I heard Meshuga and I was like, oh, that's that's seven string raw and heavy. And so uh, but I, I can still appreciate it for what it was. But you guys are talking shit about Twist. I got a real problem with that. <laughs> because... Dude, that was my first album. Life is Peachy was the first album I ever got. I mean, from Corn. Uh, my friend traded it for me uh, for a tape player, for a cassette player. He's like, I'll give you this fucking black CD with Corn on it for fucking this tape player. And I was like, all right. And that like totally changed my life. I was like, what the fuck is this? And yeah. uh, went to actually the seven string wise, it was Corn and then Fear Factory. I was like, with the kind of the seven string stuff, I was like, that's. And then I went and bought one, like because of Fear Factory, like when um, Obsolete came out. Yeah, uh, remember hearing that just going like, holy shit, I've Obs never heard something so heavy. You Obsolete know? was definitely the like heaviest shit I had heard at the time yeah. when I heard it. Yeah. I thought the manufacturer was amazing. Yeah. Like the manufacturer kind of and Meshuga were in the same syncopated bass drum yep. and they were so solid with each other. That's what I remember of that because it sounded more solid than what I was hearing from like Sepultura and yeah, it's more raw. It's yeah. So precise that that playing, which kind of brings you in a new level of man i gotta practice more that's why like now people are hearing perfect albums so their 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 base for i gotta practice is perfect yep. so <laughs> so they're getting way too good and yeah it's, it's a real exactly. problem <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's like what i brought up on other podcasts people are like starting kids are like 12 year old kids are starting with necrophages and spawn of possession that's like yeah. their that's their metallica album that their brother gave them it's like spawn yeah. of possession and mashuga now and that's like where they start and then they're like, all right, well, what the fuck do I need? Like, now I need yeah. to just make it like the most inhuman thing in, you know, on earth now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. They're like origin by senior year or something. <laughs> yeah. 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 And uh, gravity like, blasts and fucking tech, tech before like hearing dying fetus killing on adrenaline. When, when I first heard the sweeping stuff, I was like, that's the most tech thing I've ever heard in my entire life. And then, yeah, I, yeah. then I heard like Iniquity. I don't, have you ever heard of yeah, Iniquity? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Iniquity. Yeah, yeah. Like the album Five Across the Eyes. I still love that yep. album. Uh, it, it's, you listen to it now, it sounds like not that tech at all comparatively to what you're hearing. But back then it was just, this is, this is unreal tech stuff. I, I, I don't know if I'll ever get to this level of playing. So uh, it, that it's just, the progression now is so much where is it going to end <laughs> i know <laughs> you know like drums are just double bass it's going to be like a, a single it's going to be two notes it's going like b because like on so fast it's going to be like that's going to be a uh -huh. frequency now there's a dude who plays with like those duelist pedals oh those quad ones or the yeah and he play he can play like 240 bpm and he plays them on a duelist so it's the most, it's the stupidest thing. Ever. <laughs> yeah, it's just a hum. Is that like, <laughs> like a Hanker or something? Is that the name I, of that? I have no idea. That's the project it, I know where it definitely just goes into a note. Yeah. Yeah. It, it sounds like a hummingbird. Like, yeah. Whoa, whoa, at points, it's, yeah. It's really bad. Jesus. <laughs> where do you go with guitar like from that i don't know it's like there's i mean there's you know you're seeing like a kind of weird movements pop up with i mean especially with mashuga like gent came from that they're kind of doing more rhythmic chuggy technical mm. stuff um it's not really you know my total cup of tea but it's you know you're seeing the the tech world kind of branch off into these and mashuga's has a lot to do with that because they're more going towards odd timings and stuff like that because the sweeping's been done 
the you know the shredding super fast solos have been done like you gotta fuck up rhythms now i guess is kind of where tech has kind of been going for what i've been seeing uh so to me i i always distinguish mashuga from what is gent uh, to me because I, I heard mashuga so long ago and what became oh yeah what became gen is just it's not mashuga mashuga and there's it, as cliche as it sounds Metal is an art form that displays anger sometimes and angst. And to me, Meshuggah is great at that. Chaos fear to me is it, that's when you're pissed yep. off and you put chaos fear on, you're ready yeah. to kick through a door sometimes. You may not want to do that. Uh, and it sometimes it doesn't make you feel like listening to it to me. It's just like it's you take solace in it. it. You take it all in. Ion Dissonance, the album Solace, that's another one. Those are just such visceral pound you in the face albums that you feel. And Gent to me isn't that, and I'm not talking shit about Gent. It is what it is. It, it, it's more popish and uh, clean. Yeah, it's like it's like comparing Black Sabbath to Corn. You know, it's like Black Corn is probably there because of Black Sabbath, but they're completely different bands. You know, but yeah. they are directly influenced by each other. You know, or by yeah. Black Sabbath. So I, I will say a big thing for me, like playing wise, was always the people I was playing with. It, um, I. I, I can recall meeting people in my life that I got, I was so young that they wouldn't play in bands with me. So when I met my buddy Chaz, who, who started Solus under the band that I was in, he was the first one to really explain to me what polyrhythms are. And I remember him doing it on a keyboard and he sat me down and he said, I want you to hold this, this four count for me on this keyboard, hit, hit this note here. And I was like, okay, cool. And then he started hitting other stuff in a different time signature. And he noticed I was rushing. And he, he really hammered in like, hey, why are you rushing? You got to you got to stay on your thing. Don't listen to me. Stay on yours. So I always had that. So Chaz, if he's listening, Chaz was huge for me musically. He made he made me understand what I was doing polyrhythmically and then uh, playing and just getting good at guitar, listening to tech music and learning on my own. I met who I we have anomalous with, which is the guitar player, Max Seaman, who's he's still to this day the best guitar player i've ever met and uh probably will ever meet to be honest the guy everyone who meets sees him play in person says like why are you here what are you doing what, here what's like, he doing now what's that guy doing now i've wondered uh, that actually kind of recently he's raising a family in uh in washington he still plays uh he's still a it's like it's weird to know like there's the best guitar player ever just sitting in some dude just sitting in a house somewhere you know and that's there's a million of them too there's you know there's yeah. so many people that are great at guitar that don't don't do anything with it or don't get out or do, not necessarily don't do anything with it because music, <laughs> music is very yeah. personal right for me like i've really getting older especially you really start thinking of music differently like because you work a lot i work you know full time i've had two jobs so you really start to see like are you passionate about this or is this something that you just did for fun when you were a kid or whatever and uh for me i know it's something that it's a passion of mine because i'm still doing it i've had zero success tech you know wise basically uh, not zero i i we have you know some fans but uh, what i'm saying is like I'm not making shit for money, obviously, or anything, <laughs> you know, yeah. I, uh, we didn't go on any good Neither tour we, dude. or anything. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's just music should be very personal. It should be for you in a lot of ways and people who come along for the ride. Fuck. Yeah, that's awesome. But it should always just you make 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 what you want to hear, you know, yeah, it, dude. That, just that's natural what... expression of yourself, dude, through yeah. art. That's all. Yeah. That's all it's been to me, you know being a part of it is just all about the passion i gave up 
the chasing the money aspect about it after the first tour I went on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the reality check tour. Dude, I knew it wasn't about the money showing my dad like the things I was listening to and him going like, Are you sure you you don't want to play something that will make you money? And I mean saying like absolutely not. I want to play this thing that I, I'm excited to listen to. And I I'd buy albums and look at the cover the entire way on the bus and get home and be so excited. And I still do this where I just listen to an album. That Deeds of Flesh album when it came out. I sat down and I listened to that album and I took it in like a little kid listening to Deeds of Flesh, just the same way. It was music is an experience for me in a lot of ways. Some pe people experience it differently. Some, some people, it inspires them to create. It's a background for creating art. For me, it's, I'm involved with it. I, uh, I can't not notice music if I'm in a department store and it's playing. I, it yeah. drives me nuts if it's something that's annoying. Like I went to a mm -hmm. pho restaurant where we sat down and they had the same song. It was a two minute song, this epic, like uh, opera song, two minute long repeating over and over again <laughs> for an hour. And no one at the table was noticing it. And 40 minutes in, I was like, I'm, I'm losing my mind. <laughs> yeah. How are you guys doing this? <laughs> yeah. This is crazy. The song's been on forever, you know, and then uh, my wife started noticing it and it was just funny, you know, but uh, yeah. So music for me is an experience and I like to keep it that way. And that's why it takes so long to make albums because I make them right for me. I, I make them right for what I want to hear and my, my standards of this is what I want to put out there because it's what I want to hear right now. It's, it's what I envisioned right now. So uh, definitely. Yeah, dude. Kind of so let's take it back to, let's take it back to uh, you. I remember you were saying that it was hard for you to get a band together. So when did you actually get a, a lineup of dudes that you would jam with? Well, yeah. So I, I wrote the first ontogeny album. Me and my brother used to play guitar together and that became ontogeny, I guess me and him just playing. And then uh, my brother quit and it was just me. So I wrote all these songs. I wrote Pillars of Perversion basically when I was like 14 years old with a drum machine. And uh, I still just, have my physical copy, dude. <laughs> I Mint condition. I couldn't find anyone <laughs> to play. So that's when I joined Anomalous basically. Uh, that's when I met Max and he said, um, play bass. So I did. And uh, I started playing bass with Max and Tim you know, anomalous before they re, uh, released cognitive dissonance. And that was a great experience because they did both of them. It, they, they were so tight together on guitar. Tim at that time was playing guitar and Tim wrote a lot of that stuff too, with Max on the first album. And they were so solid together. So I was like, this is the band I need to be in to, to get on my shit playing with other people. Cause I was not there and I started doing it and it was great. And solo Sunder used to rehearse with, uh, anomalous in that same studio and they lost their bass player so they said hey do you want to fill in on bass so i i started playing bass with them and that's where we got to play with you guys like carnivorous it's funny the podcast too every time you couldn't remember a local band <laughs> that was us just so you know oh, <laughs> i know you messaged me after like the second time i did it you're like dude it was fucking us <laughs> i'm like fuck dude sorry so, like, like uh, the origin show at uh, Aptos. Oh, the Aptos Club. Yeah. yeah. Right? So the, so uh, King played our drummer's <laughs> kit from Solstead, the little white kit. That was actually uh, Keith's kit that he played. So Soul Sunder played that show. Soul Sunder played uh, a lot of shows, and that that's you played where some I got pound shows too, right? Yeah, we opened for Dark Train Cooler. We, I, the pound. Uh, there's the drinking game, by the way. Every time the pound's mentioned, yep. you. Can take a oh yeah. 
but really the pound for San Francisco and the scene, it just, everyone came to San Francisco for it, but it was great. And I think for a lot of reasons, it was great. Uh, One was tours weren't overbooked at the time. So uh, a band would play with like two other bands and then they'd allow an opener to play. So that means your bill is four bands, which was always perfect. And they always allowed a local opener, which was fucking awesome when you're a local opener because you could open for your hero. Some people got to open for Meshuga. Some people got to open for Opeth, you know, uh, at the pound and the pound yep. did that. But now like shows get booked with seven bands. Uh, so a local opener just becomes exhausting, you know, for, for a lot of those sets. So I feel like yep. the scene was different in general. Touring was different for a lot of people, but the pound was just a place where you, you didn't know everyone's name there, but you'd see him there all the time. Yeah. So you'd start nodding after a while. You'd be like, oh, yeah, there's a, oh, I know you. I know that shirt. There's the vile shirt guy, you know, that, that yeah. guy's always there, you know. It's uh, like, oh, there's the NASA guy. Remember the, yeah. the Bob or whatever? Dude, yeah. Metal Bob, bro. Metal Bob. Yeah, Bob, yeah. Dude. Not been mentioned. Shout out <laughs> metal, metal Bob, dude. So Metal oh, yeah. Bob is amazing because he goes to every local show. Every we- show. We've played in Petaluma and he's been there at like Solus Thunder shows on top, like small underground shows. Word on the street is he's actually been seen at two shows that were at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) The legend. It's like the movie, the prestige. If you Sends his doppelgangers out when there's, (laughs) yeah. Oh, the Twin Peaks references, uh, the doppelgangers. Who's the evil metal Bob? Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if he, like, went to one show and just, like, saw the opener and just went to another show. You know, it seems like something he would do. He's at every single show I went to in the Bay. Like, every, every single, single show. Every single one. And, yeah, the, the Pound was just – it was the the place to see every band. Like I said, I got to see Meshuggah there at the Pound. And, you know, a venue with 200 people in it uh, – or it should be 200 people, but they put 300 people in it to see Meshuggah. That yep. place was on fucking fire, you know, when yeah. they started playing some stuff. and seeing just cannibal corpse there too i uh i i hurt my sternum to that that shit because it was so overpacked and i guess that's why i got shut down but uh great bands i saw every band i wanted to see at the pound basically you know yeah uh, dude there's a place to be and it's gone and nothing replaced it you know no no it's uh i mean there's a plant nursery replaced it but i mean venue <laughs> yeah and now you slims is gone too so, i know i know yeah. It's like what's the, the metro is pretty much it now the metro and then dna lounge maybe i don't Didn't know they they say they were call give... the slims yolo now or some shit oh yolo. yeah that's right yeah i gotta give a no shout live out music to DNA lounge too though dna lounge is another place that allows openers uh locally to play and yeah. again like my band ontology we aren't signed or anything right so getting local shows for us is kind of what we do right uh we play out when we can for sure uh we've gone on you know fours we'd love to go on more too but basically for that playing those shows in san francisco that's it you can open for a band or you can play you know a bar that has an r&b band play after you and it doesn't work out which i've done before you know i I, i've had we've played a show where uh, a band that was covering aretha franklin opened for us and i was just like this is not going to make people want to see our set as soon as we start playing they're going to leave and they did (laughs) (laughs) certainly did 
Well, now they do the pay to play thing is more common, right? You got to buy a bunch of tickets and then you got to sell them to make a profit. You can either make a profit or just just sell them for cheaper and, and you know, come out even so you can, you know, at least ha- show your worth to the venue. Now, it used to just be, oh, yeah, you can open like just come play. Now it's like here's tickets you have to buy in advance and then yeah. you have to sell these, you know, yeah. it's so. just it's so hard to be. It, it's just so hard to be in music and, and have it be profitable and be a thing. Uh, and that's why it's good. It's good to kind of think of it just like this is something I do. I, I, I make music and I love it and that's what it's about. So yeah, if you like playing shows, you can find shows, you can get shows. They may not be sold out fucking shows, but you can play in front of people if you want. So you got to find what you like. And for me, what I've always liked is making albums playing with my friends, meeting other musicians, picking their brain, talking about music. Music for me is very much just, it's, it's that. It's, it's so much uh, an enjoying thing in life that I love to be part of with other people too. So make, making albums and writing music, that's kind of, writing music to me was more important than shredding, playing guitar. I always practiced writing songs. I still don't consider myself a great lead guitar player at all. I, I think I'm a horrible lead guitar player. I, I think I'm a fairly good rhythm guitar player, but uh, I, I like writing songs. So I practice that. I practice songwriting. And, you know, if you don't like my songs, I don't care. It, it, it is what it is. I, I write them because I like doing it and it's fun. You know, it kind of goes back to the uh, what I was talking about previously, which is, you I mean, you're in a, so for how I look at you as like an amazing lead player and a fucking ridiculous fucking, you know, phenom rhythm player. Because I remember. I still have that memory of going into your room um, years ago. And you're like, hey, Joel, I got this new song I'm working on. It's this instrumental song. And you just put on a drum machine and played um, this fucking, like, fucking opus, amazing. I was sitting there with my jaw open. And I was, like, you know, stoned. But I was sitting there going, like, what the fuck? This is insane, dude. Like, I didn't know you were this good. And then you hand me the guitar. You're like, why don't you jam? I'm like, fuck no, I'm not jamming after that. Like, you can fuck yourself. <laughs> like, like, I was serious. I remember, the, I remember the whole thing unfolding. And, like, I was like oh jesus nate's fucking no you're insane man and that's because you think you probably could be better and that's why you keep progressing is how i look at it i mean it it, to me it's not even about being better it's just it's just you know keep having fun you're gonna get older you're gonna fucking die one day that's the reality of the situation so find what you enjoy and keep doing it so i make it i'm gonna keep making it i play i enjoy practicing you know practice for me isn't like i gotta practice guitar today this is bullshit it's always been like I, I have inspiration to practice. I love this, you know, finding the inspiration sometimes is the hard part, even, you know, loving music when you're tired of shit from work. And that's where I mean, like, that's where you really find the people who are passionate about this, especially metal music too. metal is just, it's a music that if you play it, you know, how hard it is, you know, you know, that there's so much that goes into writing it. Uh, but outside, if you don't understand metal, it's literally like, that's the stupidest shit I've ever heard. So it's one of those genres that's not fully respected, uh, but it's entirely musical and it's extremely hard for, for people. And it can be whatever you want it to be too, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, definitely there, there's that aspect of it. And like, yeah, this is c- cool as shit, by the way, too. Again, I'm going to say it again. I remember <laughs> watching fucking Casey Howard videos when he first uh, played decrepit birth on the myspace and they busted yeah. that one out and i was like god damn that's some kick that guy's got 
<laughs> back then like 250 kick was like oh shit he can do it bro <laughs> but, oh yeah i yeah, love to finally be able to see it in person too it was just like fuck dude this is fucking decrepit birth for real right now i mean shit going to bloodletting seeing odious seeing decrepit seeing vile seeing uh deeds yeah. of flesh after that that was the shit seeing <laughs> That, that lineup was amazing. Seeing Jacoby get hit in fi- the face. Oh, yeah. The I remember show. the exact yep. thing that happened from an audience perspective because <laughs> that lady kept on going on yep. stage and windmilling endlessly with them it just over and over yeah. again. So Jacoby just pushed her off and that dude just clocked them. And it, uh, it's Broken funny because that's a, yeah, that's another uh, show that Solo Sunder opened for, by the way, was Broadway Studios in San Francisco. Uh, severed savior and deeds of flesh that's the one i brought up yeah that's the one casey brought up and uh Soul Thunder opened that show yeah. too yeah so uh Fun, yeah nice the, yeah it, back awesome. then it was like soul center is a very melodic band too so uh yeah it was a, a cool show for us because i love deeds but uh, a lot of the tech fans back then didn't really like the melodic stuff so we were kind of you guys played that California Metal Fest too, right? You guys opened that up over in uh, Anaheim, right? Yeah, we opened up the main stage in that one. And, yeah, and that, like Exodus, that was and gig. yeah, that was awesome, man. That was one of the better gigs. I was Carrie King was backstage, just like hanging out. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, it was like, it was, yeah, it was there was like different tiers of how good your band was there, and we weren't in the good tier of it. Like <laughs> you guys were probably in the like take care of these guys section. We were in the hurry the fuck up out of this nice venue section. Uh, so, so, like, I remember keeping on telling the sound, sound guy, like, can you turn me up? I can't hear me at all. And there was no sound guy. And that, that was, like, the biggest Just Talking to no one. Like, <laughs> again, it's like, this is the biggest venue ever, and we still can't get a hold of the sound guy. <laughs> I, was, I was at that show. That's, that's rad. I didn't... Um... I didn't really know Soul Asunder back then, though. You guys were a little too cutty for a 17-year-old who went there to see, you know, Decrepit Birth and all that. So, but I've picked up on the Soul Asunder thing, and I remember checking you guys out. Uh, but I don't know much, dude. Can you like tell tell someone like you know who's not familiar, like what what's the story of that band, and and were you playing bass the whole time, or did you switch uh, over no. to guitar? Uh, yeah, so Soul Asunder was. Uh, Chaz and Brian, Chaz was the guy who showed me the polyrhythms, right? He played in a band with my brother too. So this is like a long line of people I've known since I was four and we all Mm -hmm. grew up in metal together. So we're all discovering metal together. And they were, we, they, they were in that band when I didn't have a band. So seeing them play shows was always like, fuck, these guys are fucking badass. And they released an album called it under the name minion that I listened to. And it was so inspiring. It was still now to me, I listened to it because the harmonies are so cool. It was it was different than the melodic metal I was hearing because it was very X-toll-like and Opeth chords. And uh, I guess to me, that's very specific because there's melodic metal that's like in flames melodic metal. And then there's mm-hmm. X-toll Opeth dark melodic metal to me. Mm-hmm. And, and they were touching on that dark stuff, but they were mixing Meshuga a lot. And it was it was touching the rhythmic stuff in me and the, the melody. And so uh, I joined bass as soon as I could because I loved the music so much. And then... Uh, I got a chance to play guitar because the other guitar player had a kid and uh, we, they said, Hey, just, can you play guitar? I'm already in the band. I already know the songs. So I got to play guitar and I wrote the album mechanized with them. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was kind of all of us collaboratively. So I wrote a few songs on that album 
uh, mechanized with them playing guitar and playing bass. And at the same time, I was in Anomalous and Ontogeny. So it was Soul Center, Anomalous, Ontogeny. Those were my three bands at the same time that I was working on. Because it was, it was like three different genres of metal that I could play. and Because I love metal so much. I love so many different types. Anomalous will never be that type of melodic band. You know, Ontogeny is closer to it. But uh, Soul Center was a different thing than each project. So... Mm-hmm. and you guys had a music video were you in that music video because that's my main memory of soul asunder is like watching the video that you guys yeah. had yeah i'm i'm in well i'm in one of them i think i i think they made one without me and one with me uh, for which I'm song video, demodulated that's the video i'm in oh yeah i remember that yeah yeah uh, nico deluna he shoots a lot of videos uh around california band i think he shot brain drills he shot a lot of playthrough videos he shot it but uh, yeah, he's, he's great. And so that was Soul Center. Soul Center, joining that band was huge because they, they, that was one of my favorite albums growing up was hearing that. So joining a band that was one of my favorites was, was so cool. And joining Anomalous to play with one of my favorite guitar players, Max, was like, I felt like a little kid in both bands, you know. So I wanted to be really good and, and keep up with these musicians. Keeping up with Max was just like... <laughs> This is so fucking hard. This guy is goddamn good, man. And yeah, I remember hearing that EP for the first time, and uh, my fucking head was spinning. I remember just yeah. seeing his playthrough videos. I'd just be like, "What the fuck is this guy?" He was like one of the like original kind of like jaw dropping playthrough videos I used to see. Even I might have even been before YouTube, but it was like literally the beginning of YouTube or something like that. And just watching those, on a, I remember he think he was playing like a Les Paul or something. Yeah. And, he yeah, and he was just shredding a Les Paul. Like I was like, "What the fuck?" Like, it didn't make sense in my. It's like a dissonance singing like a classic rock guitar, just getting shredded to pieces like that. The thing about Max that I can say about him, which is so inspiring to me, is that he has the best ear of anyone I've ever heard. He can come into any situation, listen to it, and solo over it. So he, I, I anytime I have him over, because he's kind of like. Uh, uh, elusive when you can get him over it's like shit max is here give him a guitar and hopefully you have something that he can record on which is why ontogeny has so many guest solos from max because i love like i said playing with my friends and max is just one of those people that's so inspiring for me so when max would be like hey dude i'm in the neighborhood i'd be like you're recording a solo right now you don't know it yet but you're about to damn so, so like the solos he's done for me I'll, i would say every single one of them was the first take Every single solo we wow. ever did would be him listening to a song and saying, yeah, let me feel it out. Boom. And then played the, just the thing. I was like, I can't play that. And it was an improv solo. So his improv skills were just, I can't, I still can't do that. Uh, he, he has the best ear and his ability to hear other musicians. It came from jazz. Like his dad was a saxophone player and that. So keeping up with him and that ear and, and and even Chaz, Chaz can play piano like so well and play guitar and play drums really well. So all these great musicians were keeping me like practicing and inspired. And that's what music to me is about and why I have, I've always had the guests on my albums. Every album I've had, I try to have friends that I can play with because I like having people here to watch them play and say, that was sick. Scott Carstairs, another band you can hopefully have on one day, Fallujah, yep. Cali Death. He was on my last album and... Uh, again, he comes over, we, we plays guitar sometimes, you know, th- that's just what I like doing, uh, playing guitar with people, talking shit about music. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's fucking yeah. awesome, dude. So from Pillars to uh, Discord, there's a, a 
obvious change in uh, songwriting. So as an anomalous was after pillars, right? You already did pillars before you joined anomalous. So like the technical release of pillars, I think is after anomalous, but uh, uh, pillars was written when I was like 14 and 15 with my brother. So, so it's a uh, super young material. It's very cannibal of corpse. It's not, it sounds like cannibal corpse, but it sounds like a guy who heard cannibal corpse and then heard origin do something for the first time. So it's like, Oh shit. I'm going to do Campbell Corpse Origin now and mix Meshuga with it. It was, I mm-hmm. feel like everyone's first album is kind of that. It's kind of what you listen to a lot of. And that's why Discord for me is kind of what I think of. We don't really play anything off Pillars. We start with Discord because that that's when I, uh, I decided to play with other drummers. I, I remember taking a shit. Sitting in a, a, a <laughs> sitting in a bathroom stall and thinking like I can't find a drummer who can play that death metal stuff, and I tried people out that would play blasting two fifty, but then you'd throw Mashuga uh, polyrhythms at them, and they free they couldn't do it, and it, it would suck. And I started seeing like what do I find cooler about music, and what do I like about music, and what what is it? And I said to me, rhythm is huge, and that's. Uh, where Keith came in Keith was the drummer for Soul Center and another mm-hmm. huge inspiration for me musically because Keith is another person like Max where he can listen to something and just play it so he can listen to Meshuga and play it he's yeah. a very unique player too he's got a unique style he's like a gospel chops player so I started thinking of like hey gospel chops is I I watch those videos so much that's my favorite style of drumming I watched Tony Royster videos I watched Thomas Pridgen videos I watched uh, uh, Eric Coleman videos, just all these drummers were inspiring me to play these riffs that wrote Discord. And I remember saying, well, that fusion drumming drumming is inspiring these riffs. What if instead of for kick, I put 16th notes as fusion stuff, which is what made Discord. So every time I'd write something that I'd originally write as blasting kick, Keith is doing a weird gospel chop fusion thing on the snare and the toms and moving it around. So he's playing 16th notes, but he's playing it all around the kick. And part of Keith that I loved is, is he's such a natural player. So I didn't want to have super fat production for it. I know it sounds stupid and it sounds like uh, it's not like Burzum in that way. And I'll explain it a little later, but uh, I wanted to hear his toms and his snare. Like I'm sitting there with Keith listening to, to him play drums i didn't want it to sound like he's in an amphitheater i wanted it to sound like i'm next to keith and i'm feeling this band in a room playing so we did keith we did live takes there's no editing on the drums and we did live takes for drums uh, or guitar uh and we we played every part without cropping anything and i wanted to do that at the time because it, it's just something i i felt in the music i was listening to mars volta they kind of blew my mind and thomas pridgen came from that and I remember Joel mentioned them earlier. Uh, I never got into it either. I couldn't stand the singer when I first heard it. And then I feel like when I got more mature in music, I started hearing his ideas a lot and saying, wow, that his ideas are unfucking believable. His harmonies are crazy. Those drums are crazy. They're, I can listen to DeLoust and the Comatorium a thousand mm-hmm. times and still hear new stuff that I'd never heard before. And that's why DeLoust and the Comatorium is... Uh, in my top five favorite albums and it really inspired me to write discord a lot so fusion drumming and those videos inspired discord a lot and created this new sound with keith 
So now I write with Keith in mind and I think of fusion drumming playing with this. It's still metal, but it's like, mm -hmm. it's Keith. I write with Keith and it's, again, it's because I want to play with people and uh, pick their brain. Keith's an amazing guitar player. He has a, a fantastic project called uh, Dead Stars Fell. I just recently, yeah, I started following them because I went on, I went digging on your guys's page for a little bit and I saw they put a link to that stuff too. And that's amazing prog rock, like acoustic guitars. And he plays drums and guitars and wrote all the songs. And my Chaz, the guitar player from Soul Center's in it. All of our bands are just molesting each other musically. <laughs> we, we just, we're all in the same bands. Yeah. Max solos on albums for every band. He solo, so it's, and that's what I love. That's, that's to me is music is it's, it's a language with people that everyone can speak. Once you, you do it, somebody from, a, I watched a great documentary that was, uh, now I can't fella Cootie, And he was, mm -hmm. he was playing with these African drummers basically. And he said, you couldn't talk to him, but as soon as you started playing drums with them, everyone knew the, what was up and they started interacting with each other. And it was like, they were on the yeah. same thing and that, that's what it is you know it, it, it's that and you can still have that in death metal too you know i feel like <laughs> yeah 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 I, uh, definitely I, that's I, kind of like the one of the precipices of cali death metal is fucking band you know even with our incestuous yeah, our bands, incestuous i mean you know you got people in vile and severed and you know like uh deeds blah blah just all in each other's bands and then i mean it was like that in the florida scene too i that's mean that's true and you think about it, there, it's probably like that in New York, too. If you dig around, you're going to realize that, yeah, I mean, Pyrexia and Suffo, yeah. like all of them, they were mixing each other up in the beginning and stuff, you know? So uh, yeah. I, it's just like, it's, it's, a, it's a niche genre of underground, you know, uh, enthusiasts in extreme music who love to play and listen to it, but you, you, you get to a point where you can only get to a you only get to a point where you're like, okay, how am I going to actually make this work? You got the passion and the drive to get a band together, but you don't have enough musicians. Well, I know that these guys are already doing something. We're friends. Let's see if one of those guys would do it. Hey, Troy Fullerton, you want to be in our band called Carnivorous? Yeah, dude, let's do it. You know, and, and you end up being fucking, you end up getting the, the, another project out of it. Then a yeah. guitar player leaves, and then like it's like, oh, well, we know this guy from this man, and then you join, and they join, and then like it's just a big circle of life with uh with the, with but, the, the niche but I music. Like, there's there's two different ways of doing that though. There's there's joining the band and just following suit and, and doing it the way the band's always been doing it, or you come into the project and you actually inject yourself into it and actually change the project to to actually be you're part of it as well like you're really in it you're not just playing somebody else's music and that's that's what i love about what we're talking about right now how you like to play off of other people and keith's a really fucking you like i said unique's a really good word for that dude because i got to see him play live when you guys were opening up for us and and he always stood out to me as somebody that i never really saw play like him you know and and i love that that you're 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 open to that. And that's what makes a project like ontogeny. That's why I've loved it so much and how it's been standout for me personally throughout the years is because it is its own thing. Like I don't, I don't hear, I mean, I may hear elements of other bands and your influences in there. Like today I was just going through it again. I can hear some canvas Solaris in there. I hear ion dissonance in there at times, but it's like still like 
you you know how to warp it and twist it and make it like your own thing you know right and on. and there's stuff in there that that I'm, I'm like oh yeah this is totally just nate's brain right here like i can't i can't link this to anybody you know <laughs> that's a that's a compliment i, I like that I, that to me is huge when you can hear people's personality in music like mm -hmm. chuck shouldner soloing you could hear Chuck Schuldner when he solos. You, you hear that it's Chuck Schuldner. I don't know. You can hear, you can hear Alan Holdsworth when he plays. You go, oh, that's Alan Holdsworth. You can hear Frederick Thorndall. Uh, so personality and music is huge. And 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 Keith, like you said to me, he he's always had that, and it's always been fun. Every set is different. I told Keith every show, just dude, because he can improvise too. Just improvise, gospel chop it. Just as long as I'm playing in time shred it up dude and that's what we do every time and, and it's very it makes every set very fun and i do improv solos too so i try to keep the improv feel and live feel of it because sometimes you fuck up you know that that's improv you know but you play it off how did you pull it off did you did you fuck up and then fall apart or did you fuck up and then pull yourself together and now it's a tight new thing that you're working on so mm -hmm. i i try to do that and uh keith's always been fun to do that with because he understands things so well drum wise that he can tell you you're playing your own riffs wrong you know you can you can be playing a riff and he's like you're dragging dude you're dragging and i'll be like i don't think i'm fucking dragging i wrote the riff and you're like uh, then you start playing it to a metronome you're like god damn i'm dragging he's right so, yeah so, yeah so he he's another person he he just keeps you on your shit because he's so fun to play with and knows his shit so well so that was huge playing with keith too and ontogeny's you know working at the same time, I started writing. The, the first time I got to really write with Anomalous was the second album, which I don't know if you have a topic to go into. but like I, I, I would love to hear as much as you can say about Omnivalent because that's my favorite. Like, I don't know how to... It, it goes beyond... Like, it's in a whole other world. Like, no other bands have even, like, tread that far yet. It's like, no one's caught up with that, dude. Like, that's the shit, dude. I love that album. Fuck so yeah. I just want to hear everything you can say about it's it. In my, and... It's in my truck right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that album took a lot out of all of us, I think, is what that album was. That They took five years to make that album. And uh, I really saw how Max and Tim craft songs because I got to write with them. And I wrote, we all wrote that album together. Uh, there's, we wrote chunks of it. And it was kind of an album where we all decided to like, hey, do we want to play live? Because the first album we were going to play live. We started, I, I, that's what made me go to guitar was Tim said, I can't sing and play at the same time. And I said, well, sing and I'll play guitar. And Marco was playing drums with us. We were rehearsing. We just didn't have a bass player and we were starting to try some people out and we were like, we're going to play live. And then Marco joined a bunch of bands and started touring. So we said, well, you know, this finding the drummer thing isn't working out really too well. So are we, we should just be a studio band. And that's what we did. So we kind of just made a studio album and, and it was never made to play live, I guess. It was very much like, here, here's the guitar. You play right your section. Let's play it. I'll put a thing over it. Let's, and it was passing the guitar around, writing a song with each other and like, oh, that's a sick riff. Check this riff out and I'll put this over it. And uh, I'm sure Marco lost his mind because we rewrite songs a thousand times. Like we'd be like, Marco, this song's done. We'd send it to him go to rehearse it with them and you'd be like i learned it and be like no you didn't because we, we deleted like <laughs> did around here and yeah so that's what that album was was listening to things and and 
really overthinking it in a matter of speaking, like really getting into the weeds of seconds of a rip. Like, dude, we wrote 15 seconds today. Fuck yeah, we did it. You know, because <laughs> some sometimes we delete a minute because we'd say we don't like that. And it was a building block of albums. Some ideas, uh, we, we always try to write thematically anomalous in all my bands really, but we, we write thematically. So we'd write the theme of a song and we kind of build around that theme. We take that theme, we deconstruct it. We, we, we put snippets of it in other things. Uh, so riffs. So like that whole album, what may seem like, Oh, that's just a different riff to me. It's like, that's a section of that riff, that riff, that riff, that riff, that riff that became this. It alludes to this theme, which is yeah. a part of this bigger theme, which is part of this. And the theme of the album is a cycle in itself because it starts. So we think of it like a movie. That album to me is very much, we, we really got into thinking a lot about how we're going to write these songs, how they're going to be made, uh, how they're going to be played too. Like we were super hard on each other for playing. Like Max would play some of the sickest solos I'd ever hear. And I'd hear Tim say, that was garbage, dude. Be like, oh, are you tripping? That was the sickest thing ever. <laughs> we'd start arguing like there was lots of arguing because like no that shit's sick no it's not so in some in some ways it was uh, an example of too many cooks but it wasn't because that's to me anomalous it's it's that albums was bringing chaos together and, and somehow making sense of it all and uh doing that so it, it took a lot it was five years and uh of writing and recording and rewriting and recording and and doing all that so that's that's omnivalent to me is a lot of work that's what i remember <laughs> that's that's crazy yeah it's it's really cool to hear i've like really been interested in 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 what the hell went into that um yeah it's can you um fuck man i don't someone else can go i'll, I'll think of what else to say well, about I mean, it we, but, we could just yeah. go on to the next album dude hymns well, so oh uh, yeah anomalous doesn't have anything but for hymns Oh, for uh, ontogeny, so, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. So, ontogeny. So hymns. So with uh, Discord, we we did our fusion live feel where I was like, I want all acoustic drums. I want to hear that. Uh, the next album that I still wanted that, but it wasn't possible to do with Keith's schedule, my schedule, and uh, and that kind of leads me to, I I kind of don't want to go to a nice studio. As stupid as that sounds. Uh, I don't want to go to a, a studio because part of what I enjoy about music is actually recording it and making it, whether you like the way the album's recorded or not, it's what I enjoy about it. So I'm going to kind of keep doing it. Uh, so I, I, I worked with Keith's schedule enough to where he was like, well, we can only play till eight in my neighborhood and I didn't want to rent a studio. So we were like, Hey, so we have a V drum kit. Will you play a V drum? So we played V drums. We still didn't quantize or anything, but we did, uh, you know, him playing a V drum kit, which is cool, but uh, it, it didn't feel the same to me. Discord songs, I feel are a lot, or uh, him songs to me are a lot better than Discord songs. But uh, I feel like the drums could be a, a more realistic, but song wise, I feel like that's some of the best stuff I wrote for that band. But uh, I wanted to get the drums back to where I felt they should be for this band which is hearing keith playing in a room again you know here hearing because keith when he recorded discord uh he was learning the songs as he recorded them so i would I, i'd say hey keith let's i said keith let's experiment uh, i'm gonna see if you could be the drummer for my band and he went all right 
and he sat in the studio and he recorded five songs in one day and i was like yeah i think you passed it dude and those are the those are the the tracks that became the album was keith's audition is actually discord and disillusion so uh, wow. losing losing that keith feel because hymns was recorded the same way basically keith was just like uh okay let me hear it fuck yeah i can play it and we'd play it and and uh, i wanted to hear him playing that acoustic kit again and and being in that room and figuring it out because it's part of a moment for me and that's why i like the the recording process myself it's all part of moments of captured it's like it's like a time lapse of my life right <laughs> you know yeah i remember where i was when i recorded every album and i was i was involved in the experience of everything and that's kind of what made the next album for ontogeny which is uh, anti-social media was figuring out like death metal is very underground so it's cool to keep it all inclusive and in this house and we direct our own videos uh we made the artwork for the album the artwork is very childish and that was intentional uh it was exactly what i pictured in my head i wanted it i saw an episode of the simpsons and i was looking at that picture of the sailboat and the couch and all the colors in the simpsons and i was miserable about work and feeling just down and i was just i just had this image in my head of it and it kind of popped in my head and there's so many moments that inspired lyrically that album and that so anti-social media to me is what it's evolved to being right it's back to keith being in the room playing the drums i can hear keith playing the drums again and it's uh it's artwork done by us it's videos done by us everything is now done by us which really made it fun in our own band again you know so all the lyrics on that album are you right yeah and all the vocals are you as well yeah on so i wanted to go a little bit deeper into some of the song uh themes on that album because i remember uh what is it what can i say is that a song about not having anything to write about well yeah you know it's like like I was saying early, earlier, a lot of metal is 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 that visceral anger for some people. It's it, it is that chaos fear. I I fucking am pissed off. For some people, it is. And at the time when I needed to write the album, I was like, you know, I'm not really pissed off. So what 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 am I gonna? I'm a, a adult man. I'm fucking screaming over here. You know <laughs> what, what what am I gonna be screaming about? So, so, so really, what I was screaming about was the fact that I have to feel miserable to try to write lyrics for this metal song. So it it was like so I, in order to write the I have to fucking get depressed writing this song, and that's what you fucking want, and that that's kind of what it was. It was that I fucking it was, love it, dude. That's yeah, so rad. Yeah, yeah, so yeah it was uh you know i i forget yeah and then there's some other really fucking anti-work fucking there's there's a lot of hate and work and some of that well, see shit. see it's not, it's not hating work as much as it's kind of like that's life right you, you yeah. i mean you're in an environment where you got to work you got to you got to do this shit it's and i just launched that pen into a chisel <laughs> guitar you know? uh, but, but yeah you, you got to work to to live so that, that's just what it is so if i'm gonna be that adult man screaming i might as well be an adult man screaming about the shit that i'm fucking pissed about it and it comes full circle too because i realized that what a privileged thing to be fucking screaming about i'm screaming about fucking work some people don't even have that so yeah, at the end, so there's parts in the album where i'm screaming at that like oh yeah i'm a fucking privileged piece of shit right now that's that's what i am you know i'm, I'm screaming about something i shouldn't be i should be happy i got a job you know i got all this so 
the first song to me on that, uh, which is what our video was for, which is why we made the video for it. That's the theme of the album. It kind of sets up the monotony of just normal shit. That that is just, I I I wanted it to be normal shit. I'm a I consider myself to be a normal guy. I'm not sacrificing goats. I remember seeing, you know, Glenn Benton <laughs> with the cross on his head. That that's definitely not me. But I feel like if even in the normal minutia of life, there's there's definite things that uh if you want to be angry about you can but uh it's like why do you have to be for metal you know so that album is searching that and exploring that idea you know like because i'm i love i love this music am i pissed i'm screaming you know (laughs) yeah yeah it is it is a weird thing you're like i that's really the only way well, no, not the only way. Obviously, there's clean vocals in metal too, but like death metal, it's really hard to not growl to it. So if you're going to growl and say something positive, it is kind of strange feeling. Well, also too, there's a lot of like death metal will bring a smile to my face sometimes. Like it's not, a, it's like whether it's, you know, like what Nate's saying, there's a guy like farting or screaming to a mic. It's like, I'm just sitting there with a smile. It's not like it's got like he's pissed, he's, he's super angry or something like that. But I'm like sitting there smiling, like ah, this makes me feel awesome. Like I'm having a good time. This is like fun. This is good. And this is like not. I'm not like sitting there like you know, not frowning or anything. Like I'm having a good time. So that's super funny how you would find, kind of take that. How you love the music, but you're like still I need to f- scream though. I need, like, <laughs> yeah. I need to still find yeah. this purpose to scream. But that's but what, it's you know it's it, it it is saying that it's not taking away from anyone who feels that music is that though to me too because no, totally totally to me it's all music is honesty it should be anyway you should write what's honest to you and if you're writing something you're saying i want people to feel my fucking anger right now and that's what they should feel and to me there's points on the album where i am doing that i i use humor a lot because I, I i consider my i love dark humor uh i i, I love you know I loved Louis C.K. before he pulled his dick out. Uh, but, <laughs> like the dark, dark humor, Mr. Show, that stuff's oh, really inspiring to me. You know, just uh, you could have something that, you, like our video, he, there's imagery of somebody killing himself over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. It even says, kill yourself. People will like it. You know, it, it, and, but yet there's funny moments. So it's like, oh, I just forgot that I saw somebody shoot themselves in the fucking head, you know? And, <laughs> Like in uh, uh, real quick on the uh, uh, Royal Tenenbaums, I just recently watched it again. Uh, the part where uh, Luke, uh, well, I forget his character's name. He's in the bathroom and he goes, I'm going to kill myself tomorrow. And then he just kills himself right after he says that. And I kind of yeah. giggle because he says, <laughs> I'm going to kill myself tomorrow. But then he just does it right after. Yeah. Yeah. Just That'd fails at that a great one too i, I love that <laughs> or, or no i don't I, never mind i don't want to keep going like Anderson. playing with humor that's a lot of that album so david lynch does it really well where he's extremely dark in his movies but he'll have something that's super funny there, there there's mm-hmm. things there's moments where you're like this is so awkward it's hilarious and i, I love that i love exactly playing with hilarity playing with darkness playing with all the stuff being uh Look, looking inward but at the same time realizing that that i'm an old man playing music in my basement right now uh, and uh i enjoy this shit and this is fun for me so the, it's a lot of that it's it's exploring that and exploring how it relates to social media which is why it's called anti-social media because in a lot of ways social media to me was it, it's it is the greatest thing ever i mean we're doing this technically through social media or internet platforms but 
I feel like for a lot of people, what it leads to is just feeling like you always have to be something you're not or, 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 or always having to show your best person. So uh, you can't show people what you're feeling. You could be feeling this emptiness, this pain inside, but you have to show people how happy you are. And it's all based on the interaction you get from that device rather than your life that you're actually experiencing at that point. So do you, so it's exploring that idea and exploring like, yeah, but at the same time I'm critiquing it. I'm also implicit in it. I'm on fucking Facebook. So, so it, it, it's a whole cycle of like, I I'm in no ability. I have no ability to preach anything to anybody. That's what it is. I, this is, this is all just, that's what it is. Although you're within it, you're still just noticing what's happening around you. And you're just like, you're part of the herd, not like you're complying, but it's just, yeah, you are in a way, you know, it's like, I like to keep in touch with my family and a lot of my family outside of my immediate family are on there. So it keeps me tethered. And then these like projects and music and stuff, it ends up keeping me tethered on there, but I rarely go on for like more than couple minutes a day really you know i mean but i don't some care people are on there for a long fucking time dude i mean i feel like if you're on there for a long time that's fine it's all what you do with it i use it like i've met musicians from around the the nation that i've collaborated with mark hawkins collaborated on hymns of Armani. He's from florida i've made yeah. an album with him before I've, we've done devolved stuff soul cycle i've got an unreleased project with him on guitar He's, badass, he's a great guitar player uh but yeah and, and that stuff wouldn't be possible so it's what you make of it it's all it's all your interaction with it and how you see it and that's what i mean like uh if you view yourself as like that celebrity like i can only show this i have to show my experiences to other people but not actually experience them uh if that's bringing you absolute joy then fine but that's not for me that, that that's all yeah. it is really it's it, it's very much just do what makes you happy. Right. But th this is what I'm noticing about for me. It's not, it doesn't make me happy. It, it would make me more miserable to do that. I, be yeah. I think that's why I pretty much use social media for like comedy. It's just like, I just laugh. Like there's so many funny things and so much humor to be found on there. And like the, as far as like how insane memes are getting and just like how like technical memes are getting like with so many like references that you're like, Holy shit. Like, and, to me, I just go on there just to like try to make it more of a positive, funny thing or just make fun of myself on there or just like just laugh. It's kind of like I'm just like closet wannabe shitty stand up comedian. And I want to laugh at things and post things that are funny and and thoughts that I have that make me laugh when I'm driving or just stuff like that. That's kind of how I use it. Um, but yeah, there's people that like what you're saying, you're and, and sometimes like and I've noticed in like the darker situations, in, you know, sometimes where. You know, I'm, you know, my parents are in another state and I have to work. I can't do the family things during the family times. And I'm seeing everyone holding hands and I'm like single and like, they're all like making out with their girlfriends and like, they're doing all their stuff. And like, you know, everyone's all smiling and happy. I'm like, I don't really believe you. <laughs> you know, like I'm looking at that, but you kind of like, you, that's the bar that gets set to a lot of people where they see people, um, you know, succeeding online or looking, living their best life or whatever you little joke, the uh, fucking hashtag blessed. Um, and they're just, you know, it's just all the fakest shit. You know, it's like, they're really, there's there's underlying things in their lives that they're, they're totally hiding from. And they're kind of using that platform as like, this is what, a, how great my life is. What about your life? You know, it's kind of like, I do see that a lot, like kind of what you're getting at. Yeah, I mean, like I said, if it makes them happy, that's cool. It's all it's all my interaction with it. And yeah, just I, 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 
it, it was very much tied to i think the idea of like our our band was discussing promoting and like you got to make guitar videos you got to do this you got to do this and i was just like i don't though i really i really don't <laughs> I don't do any of that yeah and, uh because to me i didn't i never wanted to hear an album until it was out as a little kid you know and the, the album to me is a very sacred thing and i don't want to just like here's a single i don't want to do that and i think it's fine if your band does that it's just for me the album was such a fucking special thing it's a that's movie. how trevor is my you know you and trevor will get along great he's all david lynch and everything but yeah he, if a new single comes out he's like nope la 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 until the album yeah. comes out and he waits till the album comes out and then he gets it in his hands or you know it comes out on whatever and he listens to it all the way through that day that's like he wants the full experience and the journey of the album he doesn't want the single you know what i mean yeah yeah to me it's what the band wants to do so if a band wants you to hear that single that's cool uh, yeah me, yeah i if for me it's all about the album so I'll, I'll release a single before i guess the album but it's not like hey release a single and the album's gonna come out in 10 years i i i'd rather just wait 10 years till you hear my album even if it's outdated or whatever i i it, it's what i make and what i mm -hmm. wanted to make well so i think a lot of bands don't want to release that single too that are trying to tell that story it's their label pushing i'm like hey we yeah. don't need to promote like you know i'm sure tool didn't want to release their you know they want their full album to come out at once because that's that kind of band that they are but yeah. um but they have to release you know they got to sell so they got to like create hype and they got to yeah. you know it's like through the label pushing them to do it so that's kind of how we're his school thought is it's just like i'm just gonna wait you know no matter what and yeah. and it's already out and like i'm sitting there listening i'm like oh my god it's so good it's so good and he's like i'm not gonna listen to it <laughs> like just fucking yeah. cover my ears and I, mean, I, I respect for that but for me because i'm so add and i want my you know i want my thing my dopamine now i want like i want like the fucking i want to hear what it's going to sound like i want to hear all that stuff and and not take it in context and i'll blow that song out and then by the time the album comes out i'm like skip the single like all the singles i just skip like all of them you know like, i've already listened uh, to way too real much. quick at not once did we mention where could we get some ontogeny merch or anything like that dude apparently our link is down see this is what i mean i'm like i'm the worst social media guy. <laughs> like our, our bands uh i think the links on our our facebook but i don't know if, even know if it works but we have a big cartel page and you know, I should get it fixing. If Kenji, our bass player, is watching, he's going to just be shaking his head like, dude, I told you that so long ago. <laughs> fixed that so long ago. But yeah, I, I just, I work so much, man. And, and that, that's what it is. And like I said, that's what inspired me to make that video. And the whole album was being pushed to make guitar videos and do all this. And I said, well, if I want to make a video, I want to make a video that's relating to the thing that I'm doing. And it's not me playing guitar in my room. It really isn't. That's not ontogeny to me. It's a theme of an album. So I wanted to release that, which was the video uh, for, uh, now I can't remember, Living Witness. And that introduces the theme of the album. And so I we wrote the concept of it and we filmed it in two days. And that became the video that we used for promotion, basically. You know, I have to say, though, my uh, number one piece of merch that i wore on all my tours was that ontogeny pillars of perversion shirt that Hell was yeah i wore that like that motherfucker for a long I time rocked dude. it from yeah beginning first tours with odious to um all the way till the last tours with decrepit it was just all fucking falling apart and shit and i still would just it was like my comfortable shirt i look at it and be like yes that's my shirt i'm putting on for like a Hell week yeah. <laughs> right can i uh <laughs> screen share the big cartel page because i got it ready yeah, sure. Does it, it hopefully it doesn't like take you to some like Korean porn site or something? <laughs> no, it's already loaded. So, you know, I, 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 here it is. So, boom, it's up. 
You got the anti-social media. Okay, yeah. So we got some shit. Oh yeah. (laughs) Wait, I got I got both the shirts, but oh, there's a hoodie. Oh shit, dude! I gotta get a hoodie. That's That's the album art. Yeah. That's oh, it comes only, with a guitar. The only pick. piece of uh, ontogeny merch that I don't have, dude. I got all the physical albums, bought them all blind because I knew they were gonna be dope. But I did get a sneak peek of uh, that anti-social media when I came over to your house those couple times I was trying to record. That's yeah. a little inside. Uh, the my first attempt on synesthesia was going to Nate's house. He was gonna be tracking me, and same thing you were saying about with key schedule. It's just a scheduling thing, dude. We're both guys that fucking work a lot and yeah it's rough it's- it worked out well for me to be able to do it at uh do it at my house you know eventually but yeah i see i see what i want your setup dude like you everybody who has been seeing nate right now doesn't know that to the left of him is a <laughs> nice tracking room that he just recently remodeled he says you're about to get me jacks dog <laughs> hey it's a good thing you live over in concord right <laughs> uh, yeah i mean that's what like i mean i have a studio in my house that's i'm lucky to have that i've recorded a bunch of bands here too i recorded jeff Hu- uh hewell's is it mm-hmm. hug or hewell i don't know hugel yeah i've known jeff for a long time so i've known him for like 20 years yeah i've known him for so long he's been here hung out just like socially too so i feel bad that i don't know his last name but it's kind of like last name though too you've been made i'm wrong i'm sorry yeah Yeah. but uh yeah so i recorded his first album uh i i I recorded the band covet uh keith our drummer played for covet who's a vet young she's a an amazing guitar player he played with covet for a while um so recorded their first album here uh that's cool yeah I, I, so that's what i mean i like i like this part of it too so taking this out of what i'm doing wouldn't be fun even if it leads to a, a higher fidelity or whatever than i could do because i don't have the best gear studio gear you can you can go crazy those studios yeah. you go it, a lot of it's the room a lot of it's all that but for me it's the process a lot of it is the process and it's and earlier you were talking about being inspired too sometimes you're not inspired and if you have if you have studio time booked or you're going to work with a friend and 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 you're just not feeling it like one of those days I was I wasn't feeling it so it's like having a setup at home you work when you feel inspired when you have the time and and that's the part that I love about it you know like it's just downstairs if you want to go lay some a couple lines down or do if uh, you you got this idea for shredding this fucking solo over this part you go down and you go do it when you have that because like literally getting ready for the deeds thing i probably mentioned it before on the podcast but like those patterns literally just fell in my lap one night i was laying in bed and and you got to get up and you got to fucking go do something to at least like get you to remember it the next Mm -hmm. day or 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 do it in the moment you know because you can either lose it or or you know your voice wouldn't be ready it's, it's just like being able to jump on that inspiration as soon as you get it is is what's so yeah. beneficial of having a spot like it is especially for recording on the fly I, I feel like there's a balance too right because there's a discipline with it too because there's there's distractions at home too you can you could you know just look over and be like oh shit there's a huge pile of laundry i got to do over there too you know so yeah. it's very very much your focus and your drive so for a lot of people going to the studio is that it's i i know when i go to the studio i'm in the studio i'm making music this is my creative time 
but for me like you said uh you can you get inspired you just go downstairs music is just my everyday it, it, it's it's what i enjoy doing every day so if i wrote, wrote a riff that's cool i'm going to record it right here and do that and then when i track my albums i kind of keep it very much like all right we're tracking our album now this is the date we're doing it we're doing it this day and this day and this day and it keeps me it keeps that regiment that keeps the focus which is what i feel can get lost in home studios a lot of the focus part of it so scheduling is huge for that because yeah. especially with me if you tell people like dude i work fucking 60 hours a week so when I say be here at 7:45 and we're going to record from here to here like you, this is my window. This is what it is. So we we take that seriously and luckily Keith can track really fast and uh so and it's always in a fun session. Sessions are always fun to me when I get to record with my band, you know. Hell it yeah. It's fun. People feel stressed when they record. I I love recording. I I think it's fun even if I'm just failing every take it's still uh, the process the, the failure is part of the fun <laughs> you know getting it is you know once you get it done that's the fun it's done you did it it's the the moment in time you captured and you can listen later and say man that was garbage uh, my playing is terrible but at that moment you said this is the shit right now i love that so it's it's all moments in time for me you know hell yeah yeah so what's in store for ontogeny right now uh, we're, I'm still writing. I, I always write music. I got like probably four or five songs done. I'm doing this album a little differently too. Uh, cause I started realizing my relationship with my computer, writing music, changing a lot too, with having, uh, program drums available and how that changes the way I write. Cause when I wrote pillars and discord, I wrote without program drums a lot and then would program the drums after so to me, what this album is, is I'm not tracking anything until I write songs and I'm not recording any, any ideas. I, so everything to me is something that I consider to be catchy for myself, catchy enough to where I'm remembering it uh, throughout all these weeks. I'm remembering all these riffs enough to build songs and then I'm going to see how they fit on a grid and, and you know, fine tune them from there. But it's the the things that are sticking in my head are, are obviously to me catchy because they stuck in my head. I can, I play riffs that I forget all the time too, where at the time I'm like, that's kind of cool, but I forgot it. But then I go, Oh, I remember this one though. Why do I remember that one? And if I keep remembering that one, I start going that riffs more than another riff to me. Cause I, I, it's sticking, it's sticking. So I like it. So that's this whole new album is kind of playing with that feeling of the, mm. the catchiness, you know, to me, you know, and when I say catchy, it's still going to be death metal, obviously. So it's, it's not, you know, I'm not going to open for Paul McCartney. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, I just wanted to say, um, I guess I'm not sure how to like, you know, disentangle the different guitar riffs on, on Omnivalent, the material I'm most familiar with, but listening to Ontogeny today and, and going back to, you know, I've, I've listened to it, you know, sporadically over the, over time it's just so many ideas dude packed in and it's such a small amount of time you rip out like millions of notes but all with a lot of creativity and it's not like a riff salad it's it's definitely like you know a, a well composed set of ideas so i don't know i guess i want a little more kind of insight into that into the creative process and how those riffs that you're talking about whether they're catchy or however you know whatever gets gets put down like I don't know. I'd like to hear more about that. It's just yeah, so the creative process of on, anomalous or ontogeny because they're kind of different. Uh, 
uh, like I said, anomalous is creative pro- process was the three of us. Mm-hmm. And, and I, can't I think he's, that. I think he's trying to get at, uh, maybe the ontogeny then. Yeah. Just, just cause I was listening to his discord today and like, yeah, they're just so many riffs and there's, I don't know how to describe it other than like colorful. Like I hear like a lot of colors when I listen to your guitar playing, like a lot of different shades. Like, um, like, like a virtual boner over here, dude, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. That, 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 that's what I want to do basically. Yeah. Paint that image and, like I said, uh, when I write, it's it's very much clear thought. I, I, I don't know if I ever write saying, all right, I'm writing this riff. I'm going to write a death metal riff. I kind of just play guitar. I just have fun playing guitar. If I want to record something stupid, I have tons of shit that I know as I'm recording it. This is this is ridiculous, but it's fun recording and, and playing with ideas and hearing shit and playing with sounds and doing that. Whether it's a cool idea or not, you're still making something. Mm-hmm. So, uh, ontogeny is very much just playing guitar and then finding the theme, and that's that. That's what I think you're talking about when it's composed. Because to me, I, I, I like I said, I practice songwriting. So when I he- hear songs, I hear thematic stuff, and I, I hear a, a whole picture of a song, which is why I could really get into bands that pay attention to that: Pink Floyd and the Beatles, and you know, uh, e- even Mashuga and just a lot of bands pay attention to themes ion dissonance is really good at that where they have a theme that can come back for a second in mm-hmm. a different feel and you go oh that's from that riff oh and it's gone but it, uh, it or you have previews of melodies and harmonies where you say you get used to a chord and then that chord comes back at the end with something over it so it's it, it's very much thematic writing so i'll write a riff that i say that is going to be the sickest riff in the song i know mm-hmm that that is what I would listen to and say, it's a build up to that. It has to be. So we write around that thematically, melodically, rhythmically, and mm-hmm. we have fun with those ideas and, and keep mixing it around and, and rewriting. And then um, just keep col- uh, just messing with chords and sounds. It's really very experimental for us. And like I said, I never can just write a song and say, like, I'm going to write a Meshuga song right now because I'm not Meshuga and I'll never be Meshuga. I'm very much Nate when I play guitar. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think anyway, I, I play guitar. It, a lot of people that I've tried to play with guitar with uh, say, like, I, I, I don't know if I like your style enough to play it because it's really awkward for a lot of people because I taught myself how to play guitar. So a lot of things are normal for me quarterly, but aren't normal for other people, I guess. Mm. And then, then having Max come in and inject fusion ideas and his chops too, and that, and Chaz, the, the rhythmic in, inspiration, all that stuff created kind of ontogeny in a sense. It created this paying attention to rhythms in different feels and, and saying, well, I'm, I'm feeling this riff in four right now. What if I play that same thing that I have in four, if I play it in six right now? What would, what would that do to the pulse of it? How does that change mm-hmm. it? And the great example of the best person in the world doing that right now is Tigran Hamasian, the, the, yeah. the piano player. I've seen him oh, play. Yeah. I got to thank you for for turning me on to him, dude. That fucking yeah, mock That guy, that guy turn, turns me on more than you know, sir. Uh, <laughs> the, the fucking, that, like, I can't listen to that guy's music without going, ooh, the whole time. Like, <laughs> the whole time. It, it's just... It's yeah. so exciting. He, he and he writes in that way thematically, where 
you hear ideas build and you hear him come back with something else over it. You hear him in a different feel. He slows it down. He puts it in six. It's just, that's, that's my rhythmic boner, melodic boner shit. I, 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 I love it. And I, he, he does what I wish I could do basically. Uh, Absolutely. Discord and disillusion. Sure. Yeah. I mean, discord and disillusion was me experimenting with fusion and death metal. I wanted to, I, I was like, I, I like chunk, chunk riffs but i want to have uh thomas pridgen play over it i want i want to hear fast snare 16th notes and not necessarily fast kick because keith he'll, he'll tell you first he's like yeah i'm garbage at kick i can't do anything past 190 and he'll be as soon as you'd be like no speed up he'd be like no you slow down sir <laughs> so uh, uh yeah so that whole album's 250 so it to me that was fun was like Oh shit! I wrote a 250 album. How do I play with Keith? How do I make it fun for me and, and make it sound like I want to hear it? And now when I play with Keith, I can't hear it another way. I really can't. It's it's playing with him, seeing his ideas. Sometimes I laugh as I watch him play because it's just so fun because it's different every time. You know, he's very improvisational. So it's cool. on on Discord. I I really like that uh, track nine, the the in instrumental. Oh yeah, it's I mean, like all the, the whole album, but like that that track really stood out to me. It's yeah, really so impressive. Yeah. It's cool. That song, Keith improvised that whole drum solo at the end, first time hearing it. Oh really? And and that's what the my solo is first time through improv solos, and there's like right. there's mistakes in some of those solos in that album, and I I kind of wanted to keep that. It, it, some people's like that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard, dude. You kept <laughs> you kept mistakes on your album. It's like no, I I kept a moment is what I kept. You know, I, I, for me, I, I captured that moment that I did that. And I was feeling that mistake at the time. I didn't give a fuck that I did that mistake. Cause I did that and went, fuck yeah, that shit's sick. And, and I, I, I liked it, <laughs> you know, yeah, and yeah. you know, maybe I wasn't smart enough to hear it at the time. And now quarterly, I can say, oh, that's the wrong key. I'm soloing in the wrong key. But like I said, I'm not, I don't consider myself a great soloist. So when I do something that's improv and I feel like, God, ah, that's fun. That worked. It, if you, it, if you, you're just playing out for a second. Like, yeah, oh, it, it's, it's that's like, like you're talking about jazz. I mean, if you play out a key, that's just playing out for like a second. If you come back in key. Yeah. It's fine. It's, yeah. It's, I, I try to do that, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the instrumental, it was, uh, that's one of the songs I enjoy playing live too, is mm -hmm. that instrumental song. Cause it's really fun with Keith and the soloing back and forth between that's us. Sick. Yeah, I, I have fun with that's very much one of our yeah. fun improv songs together, you know. That's so cool. You, yeah, you do that one live or make a point. That that'd be sick to see you guys do yeah. that. I think is that the one is that the one you played for me like at your house? I think No, so the one I played for you at my house, I remember that because that was really weird, first off. Because I went to a, a family dinner with Angelica, R.I.P. Angelica. Yeah, R.I.P., yeah, yeah. I, I went to a family dinner with her, and then I was like, the fucking bassist for Odious Mortem is at my family dinner right now. I hate it when that happens, dude. <laughs> I was like, no. Joe's walking around like... I was, just, I was like, what is this guy doing with my grandma right now? This guy's in a death metal band. Get out of my band. No. <laughs> i remember that clearly that was an awkward situation was, yeah we no. went we went to uh my my uh i lived in a sub basement at that time it was awesome yep. it was three stories down i lived in a nice house 
you'd walk in and be like, this is a nice ass house. And you'd go one more story down. You'd be like, where are we going? Then you go <laughs> one more story down. It was like a dungeon. You're like, dude, you're about to murder me in here. <laughs> I, I had no insulation on the walls, concrete floors. And yep. I, the song I played for you was track two on discord and disillusion. And it was discord. discord mm-hmm. Okay. I'm gonna, yeah, I, I have that it, shit I have earlier it. today. Yeah have it highlighted right now yeah I, I loved that song live dude that that riff at the end would always fuck me up mm-hmm. that's a fucked up riff yeah and then, so, <laughs> so that riff so talking about themes and I, I love talking to people who are interested in about the themes so mm-hmm. that ending riff that's actually the verse riff uh played in four now but it, it, it's taking out the notes of it so you're now not focusing on playing you're just focusing on the rhythm of it but then it comes in four so when you hear that riff that's played in six eight back and four at the end it pushes it into a, a weirder feel and oh yeah uh, i'm and hearing it right now actually in my headphones <laughs> i just went into it sorry not sorry for all the listeners out there it's playing in my ear right now that's awesome man maybe i can i just ask uh did you guys ever tab out anything from anomalous omnivalent yourselves no so okay because we get, we get asked that so so much and part of that no is question. how we wrote it right it's like i don't know all of max riffs i know some of them but max doesn't know any of my riffs too and tim mm-hmm. I, tim's riffs were recorded by me and max but he wrote a third of that album too so we all wrote so much of that album and every song is written by all of us. Fuck, that's crazy, dude. It's so hard to do that. And that's why that album is very much, it's three personalities that want to fight for their parts in the song, which is, it, it, it's it's that. And it, it's, to some people, that's too much for them because it's like, there's too many riffs, dude. You just, mm-hmm. you can listen to 30 seconds of Omnivalent and say you can write four songs with the amount of riffs that are in that fucking thing. And to us, we, we couldn't that's what we wanted to do <laughs> you know well, it was, it was i just point. wanted to i don't know did you see that um here i'll share this is uh metal music theory this is a grad student at columbia department of music he's in the music theory uh division there and he Holy like transcribed shit. the song omnivalent and midi recreates it and it's actually like a video where you can like watch listen, it's guitar pro version of it basically he can teach me my own song. Sick. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Yeah. That, that's what's I, up. I mean, hell yeah. First off, whoever enjoyed the music enough to do that. That's fucking unbelievable. I tabbed out the beginning of the song Revelations from our first album. Mm-hmm. And it took me fucking forever. Just one riff. And I said, I'm never tabbing anything ever again. I'm not going to do that. And it, it, uh, it's just something I... I I, some call it lazy sure it's not what i find enjoyment in music doing so i'm not gonna do it and that's that's unfortunate but that's what it is you know i i i like when people come over and they say teach me your riffs i i, I teach people riffs mm-hmm. that i know from omnivalent that i wrote like i said i can only play what i wrote for that it, it's such a weird album and it kind of sucks too because people always go like oh dude play this riff and i'll be like yeah i could play that part of it and then call tim and he could play this part and then (laughs) play this part you know but uh that album was very much all of us listening to the songs again it's about the songs for us and Mm -hmm. not individual riffs it's always songs uh i'm a song guy always you can still play that stuff now you still remember that i can play my riffs i I kind that's what i mean with my with my writing and my riffs 
it's very much what I remember a lot of the times and things that stick with me and things that I'm just noodling around and keep coming back to. So the way I'm okay. writing this new ontogeny album is kind of what I always did, but it's more so because I'm not recording anything pre-production. So, yeah. but this is, uh, you, I can know things that came natural to me. It's when like something came natural to me that Tim or Max said, Hey, we have to change all this, change all this, change all this. Then I'm like, oh, I kind of don't remember what my riff was anymore. I remember mm, yeah. my original part of it, but I don't remember what it became unless I sat down. Like I, I can play it technically wise, if that's what you're asking. Like I have the chops to play all the stuff that I've written always. I, I, I kind of never write out of my ability guitar wise. I, I, that's why I put mistakes in my album. If something's too hard, you can hear me struggle with that shit because you'll hear a, a note slip sometimes and that, that will be in there um because that's me struggling and that's how i played at that moment so uh that's what it is and yeah dude that that album's fucking hard um nibbling is the, is the hardest guitar shit i've ever had to play for sure hands down but i've never had to play it live either which is a whole different beast i i don't know if i could play anomalous live without a mass amount of rehearsal a mass amount of it and that goes into how we wrote it. We said this is going to be a studio album when we wrote it. We knew that going in. Uh, we didn't want to play it live. We knew we weren't going to. So we wrote it like a studio album. We wrote it like, hey, I'm going to be on the first fret right here. But then all of a sudden, I'm about to be on fucking fret <laughs> one and two. And, then, you know, and it's going to be at 250 all the time because it was very much the song. We write, we think of David Lynch. Max and Tim are very visual in how they talk about riffs too. And so am I like, we talk about like it's like the tesseract and we're de deconstructing it, it's just we're very it, max went to art school he's an artist and we're very much like that together and it's fun because we think of music weird what's uh, your favorite lynch uh piece? that's hard i would say my favorite is mulholland drive um because it's the perfect balance of what i said it's funny a lot of the times, but at the same time, it makes you feel so uncomfortable. Things that shouldn't make you feel uncomfortable, just two people eating at a diner. Yeah. All of a sudden you feel like, dude, I just want to leave the room because this is so uncomfortable. And I yeah. love that. And recalling, I love that. recalling a nightmare from the, the night before and wondering yeah. if it's real and then getting taken out to find out that it is real. Yeah. Mm. It's just, it's fun. It's playing with emotions is what it is. And it, metal, that's why I like metal a lot too, is things can be so uncomfortable and you're, you're accepting it as being comfortable. Things are abrasive and you're saying, this is making me happy. That's it's playing with your emotions. Metal is very much that there's, there's times where you feel happy and it's anger. There's times where you feel like this is twist, right? That shit is ridiculous. But when I first heard it, I went, that's the sickest fucking thing. It's so heavy. It's unbelievable, you know? And I still love it for that reason, even though I can laugh at it now. I, I could almost laugh at it then too, because it was so much like, what the fuck is this? What the fuck am I even, you know, this is ridiculous. But at the same time, it's ridiculous and I'm nodding my head to it and I remember it and I still talk about it when I'm fucking old man now, you know? So, <laughs> so that, that, that to me is it's capturing moments and uh, playing with emotions. It, music is visual to me. It's, it's like I said, I walk into a department store, I hear Lionel Richie, I'm listening to fucking Lionel Richie more than I'm even focusing on where I'm at. A lot of the times so I'll start, hello, oh, is it me? you know, and I don't <laughs> even know what I'm doing. Dude, uh, I, I was, I was at CVS the other day, like Whitney Houston came on, like, 
how do I know? You know, you know just like, <laughs> and I was just like, God damn it. Fucking, it was like getting to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, you, you, you just put that in me. How do I know? Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, just slams, dude. <laughs> Whitney like, Houston's voice is fucking unbelievable. Oh, Art, dude. It's like, it's like the Freddie Mercury, like of the theme, but even better really. But honestly, but that like, that cutting glass vocal like dude, unbelievable uh, just freddie like, mercury too piercing dude. perfect perfection like whitney houston but freddie Mer- oh man just like you're like god damn it how do they sing like that like i, I always like, said like before the autocorrect shit right i mean dude freddie mercury i watched a documentary on night at the opera uh the studio yeah. engineer who recorded that album actually had to tell freddie mercury hey you're singing so perfectly in pitch with your other track when they double track that it's phasing yeah, which yeah, unfucking believe uh, he was yep. sonically exactly the same. Yeah. So Freddie Mercury is going to be one of the best singers to me too. Well, Judas dude. Priest, uh, Freddie oh, Mercury. Yeah. Well, but I used to. We talked about it last time. I used to. I'm, uh, you know, infamous for these uh, karaoke parties we used to have. And, and anyways, back up in the city and uh, in San Francisco, you know, in Daly City, a little south. Anyways, but like uh, I remember one time I put on that like live uh queen concert like from 79 or whatever it is it's like this like when and i just got it on blu-ray i had just gotten it and i like just got a blu-ray player and it put it on all this and like the whole party like joel you were there we like everyone like stopped and just ooh, like like a bohemian rhapsody came on yeah yeah on blu-ray and hd like all loud and my and we all just like were silent like watching it just like live like holy crap dude Dude, i went home and ordered my own copy (laughs) after that yeah (laughs) we were all like like the whole just the whole party was silent just like oh i knew he was amazing and i was like that was always like the what people talked about but jesus christ i remember seeing that just in that shit i but in that i know what night he's talking about dude and in that night i realized like freddie mercury was the quintessential front man Cause he, he was a whole fucking shebang. He could fucking belt it out. He could wail on the keys. He could dance around. He could fucking get you going, you know, and, 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 and no fucking lip syncing on none of that shit. It was just fucking pure, real raw fucking the organic talent, dude. Just the confidence that guy had, like, just to like get off the the piano and someone throws him like the fucking mic with the half like yeah. pole thing and he's just all bam like in like goes up his nails and, two, and three boom catch boom sing yeah <laughs> i was like whoa that's so i mean i'll try to catch the mic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mike but what comes out afterwards would not be funny. <laughs> dude i would fumble the mic i would fumble the mic so hard. and he had that like grit and like raw and growl to his voice like with that emotion that was just oh yeah, yeah. dude i mean he, he's one it, of my dude. favorites I have favorite death metal singers too. Like, I mean, Jens from Meshuga is one of my favorite singers. Uh, he, he's just perfect. The rhythms of Meshuga's vocals are so tight. It's mm-hmm. yeah. Listen to Corridor of Chameleons, the vocal patterns on that that song. That motherfucker's rapping, but he's singing like he somebody just raped his mom in front of him. It's it's fucking <laughs> unbelievably. It's like my favorite performance ever. It, it's so fucking angry, pissed off, but the rhythms are so interesting. It's everything uh, that I wanted to hear in metal at that time. So he's one of my favorites. And Corpse Grinder too, man. Death metal, Corpse Grinder. Oh, yeah, yeah. 
hearing bloodthirst i i was like dude i can understand what he's saying that's crazy i don't yeah i don't know if i could ever do that before with a death metal singer so corpse grinder was one of my favorite it fully settled with me when i saw him live and the mic was like this far away from his fucking mouth and he was just as Belting. audible as fucking any other death metal vocalist but in front of a fucking huge band you know yeah and, and i was like all right that neck definitely makes sense <laughs> yeah yeah like it's, it's not so just muscly on the outside but there's got to be like extra like hollowness in the fucking chamber there so he could just belt it out dude yeah. i was backstage at uh slims once and corpse grinder was i was like smoking a cigarette in the backstage and he just comes out right before they go on and he just does the fucking brute, like the brutal windmill with no music, just like just just just, <laughs> he's just like he's right there, just like windmilling right next to me. I was like, what the fuck? He's Dude. just like doing it's like the full force windmill, like getting his neck, getting that fucking that Warming neck ready. Up, you know, Dude. yeah. Warming I was it like, up. What the fuck? So Joel, I just want to let you know. So that was one of the first stories you ever told me. And that was the funniest fucking thing I ever heard because I, I heard that and I went that that's what I would hope he was doing. I, I don't yeah, yeah. I, I kind of hope that's I, I imagine that's what he did. And now it, I, I know that's what he does. But. I mean, you got to. I mean, if you're going to be windmilling like for fucking an hour and 20 minutes, like you got to be yeah. fucking you got to have a little warm up, you know. But you know how sometimes you have conversations about just like normal shit. So, and, and like, what if he has, he's talking to somebody? He's talking to like Alex. Like, so then she fucking told me like, I just gotta say that, dude. I mean, I fucking I love all the albums with Corpse Grinder so much. But dude, Gallery of Suicide is like a special. That's Corpse Grinder, isn't that Corpse Grinder? Yeah, fuck yeah, yeah it is, dude. Oh, yeah, 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 dude, yeah. he Vile was his first one, right? You know, and Vile was I've, first I've, one, then Gallery, I've, and then yeah. I've actually heard the one where, where like <laughs> uh, Barnes did vocals on it before, like whatever the demo thing, whatever. But oh, for Vile, yeah, and oh, fuck yeah, shit. Barnes is fucking badass. But <laughs> I I love Corpse Grinder, and dude, like I think Gallery of Suicide is such a fucking brilliant album dude fuck like, yeah god damn it that album is so good that instrumental is what got me into cannibal corpse the from skin to liquid that's oh, what that, pat that o'brien was, wrote that was the first dude. one he wrote yeah that's like, like that I remember it was so good you know it was at the uh the live cannibalism at the credits they played that and that's when i was because live cannibalism got me into cannibal corpse pretty much but um i was like yeah, I, was, I was showing it to my friends to be like this is brutal that's pretty much what i was doing i didn't really actually like it yet and um but the song at the credits from skin to liquid was playing i'm like this is like the heaviest fucking thing i've ever heard oh, like and then like i went and just listened to that a bunch and then i slowly yeah. through other bands like was like accepting of the growl slowly but surely because i was still in my slayer sepultura like like mode you know what i mean like and pantera and then like the growls were always kind of funny to me like i never never took them seriously mm-hmm. until uh yeah first it had to be you know it was a step process it was like okay i like from skin to liquid all right like i'm gonna start mm-hmm. mixing these like this band called garden of shadows which actually the bass player of um of uh dying fetus is the early band um they're like kind of a melodic kind of like a uh, at the gatesy kind of death metal band that was on earache and just did one album that was amazing but um yeah once the the fucking vocals clicked then i was like the fucking world just opened for me my brother was all into death metal back in the 90s and early 90s and stuff and um once he saw it click for me he was like you're fucked he's all this is gonna be your whole (laughs) life you're so screwed he's like Uh, you thought that like you're into slayer or something before he's like now you're listening to deicide like you're just gonna this is gonna be your life now so i'm just letting you know 
and uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah, Gallery of Suicide, dude, Blood Drench Execution, that song, mm-hmm. the, the, yeah. tap, the tapping in that song. Cannibal Corpse was huge, man. They had, to, and it's because the groove just so fat. And yeah. it's what I liked about Deeds of Flesh too a lot. They uh, when I first heard, and it grooved in yeah. an odd time signature, I I was like super down with that. I like the groove, Dying Fetus groove, Animosity, uh, Animal. I just mm-hmm. been getting that uh, listen the other day. That that album's so fucking inspirational. Naveen oh, yeah. is such an amazing drummer. So Don't natural sounding too. Uh, that that's that's a huge favorite. More favorite singers uh, like I, I just death metal outside of death metal. I like Layla Hathaway, she's an amazing singer. I like all sorts of singers. Bjork is an amazing singer. Um, I saw Erica Badu live, and she's an amazing singer. But I'll never see her live again because <laughs> she fucking made us wait like three hours before she went on stage. It felt like anyway. I it was like forever. But man, her voice is it's unreal so i i just like so much music it's hard to say like favorites i guess so i pick genres like if i'm gonna join a death metal band i want corpse grinder and i you know, yeah that, yeah yeah uh, no, corpse yeah. grinder just has that relentless yeah and like you said it's 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 phonetic you can actually hear what he's saying it's not just going to be like well i mean remember one of the bands i won't mention they've they've been on our podcast once but the singer came up to me after the show once he's all i was all dude that fucking last album was sick He's all, you, so you stud, studying the lyrics? I'm like, no, like, I can't understand. You're just barking. You're not saying anything. Like, I, know, like, I, was like, I, I said that in my head, but I was nice about it. But he was well, just you like, you failed the exam. I know. <laughs> well, dude, you're just going like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I like read the, because yeah. he said that. I went home and I read the lyrics to it. And I'm like, you're not saying any of that stuff. Like, I know, <laughs> yeah. You're just barking stuff. Like, it was like cannibal and also suffocation for sure, too. Like, back in the day, you know, like, Pearson yeah. within was just like, oh my goodness, dude. Yeah. What is this like you know suffo came late for me uh, i didn't even hear suffocation until uh really? to deny and i i saw it live oh, and that yeah so i yeah. i was all i i was into old school death metal and i was listening to like i guess the cannibal corpse side of it monstrosity i was really big in the in dark purity in dark purity that. yeah it's huge yeah. uh Meshuga kind of fucked up a lot of shit for me Meshuga and opeth kind of took over opeth for me was huge mm-hmm. And they still are not their new shit. I can't, I don't know what they're doing with it. They like it, whatever. But the the old Opeth up until like Watershed to me. Yep. Yeah, me too. It's some of my favorite music. Blackwater Park and Still Life yep. are just, I just Most read their, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. And Meshuga kind of d- does the same thing for me where I don't think I'll ever touch any of those albums that, that I like. I'll, yeah, I'll I was never... listening to Opeth uh, yesterday, and I, every time I, li- I was listening to, uh, to either Ghost Reveries or Blackwater Park, and I was like, they're just the best songwriters. That's just yeah. what's happened. That's just, yeah. you know, that's just it. There's not, I think the line has been drawn, and then there's no one that's going to do anything <laughs> better. I don't think, like, I listen to that stuff, I'm like, it brings you on such a range of emotion, ups and downs, and, and like and takes you on like a little journey like it's the it's you know it, they do it the best i've ever heard and it actually took me a long time to get into them i didn't like them until 2013 or something like that and i was mm-hmm. dating a girl that uh, showed it to me and um i got into ghost reveries was the first one i got into and i was like what the f-? like once you know ghost of perdition clicked with me i was like what the fuck this is like a full which i still think if i had to pick my number one metal song of all time would probably be ghost of perdition just because it's it brings you on those highs and lows and it fucking builds you up and like drops it in you and then fucking brings you back and keeps reeling you in and out and it's like it's to probably me it's, their best. It, yeah, yeah I think 
probably their best song. I, I agree with that one. That album is so good. Still Life, though, for me, is yeah. the al- as an album, like I just drove through the woods in Northern California last week and I bumped Still Life. That's the album to listen to. You're looking, you're, it's, it's like Joseph was saying, it, it's like colors for its pictures. It's, it's all that. When I see yeah. Opeth, I see foggy trees. I see Blackwater Park. I, I'm in Still Life. I'm in that red theme when I, yeah. get, you know, it, yeah. it's, very much colorful it's all about color for me and that's why i like the mars volta they bring me to that too they they give oh, me yeah. that that color palette that's just like no one sounds like yeah. this even though they're pulling from influences of 70s prog and all this stuff and latin music no one sounds like the mars volta and it's so heavy and i saw it live in new york i flew to see the mars volta because i was so inspired mm-hmm. and i saw thomas pridgen play live in the front row and uh the singer, you know, he's not hitting the notes like he does on the album because he's auto-tuned. I, I didn't care because the, the energy was just so fucking amazing. And the, they were just so good. There was so much improv. It was just such a live experience that I, I left saying, well, that's my favorite band right now. That They're <laughs> yep. so good. Like these moments are just moments that inspire me to play myself. That makes me go that you did it, dude. You inspired somebody to play music. That means you made something tight whether it's good or bad uh to me you inspired somebody to make something that's cool that's that's sick whether somebody's totally. farting on a mic or whatever you know? <laughs> <laughs> if, if somebody says man this guy's farting on a mic i'm gonna show him and he writes something tight fuck yeah we got something tight out of it well <laughs> there was uh the carry episode goes really deep into the fart aesthetic <laughs> yeah oh yeah this is an aesthetic you know i mean yeah our bass player kenji uh prefers it he, I, he actually hates my vocals, to be honest. He's just kind of he's like, yeah, whatever. It's, you know, whatever. Just do what you do. He likes <laughs> he likes farting fucking. And that's what people like. You know, it, it's uh, again, it's you're listening to somebody screaming. So to me, the things to listen for, are like, are your rhythms tight? If you're screaming and your rhythms aren't tight, that it's like you took something out of it. It's like same with rapping to me, like rapping. Can, it can be melodic, but if you're a rapper and you're not in time what am i listening your lyrics uh, your lyrics better be sick then but most you know most of them aren't so Mm -hmm. (laughs) so, so there has to be something for me to grab out of something and i listen to i've listened to noise music and i can get out of that too uh just it's whatever if it's painting the mood for me where i'm going this is putting me in a place that's sick and inspiring i like it and uh i like going to shows like that too and mars volta did that perfectly with the noise incorporation they they brought it into pop songs i was like this is a grammy winning band but they're playing noise right now and they're playing with delay pedals and their drummers going nuts and they're yeah. improving and i it, it really inspired me this whole catchy heaviness thing you know? maybe it's time for me to get you know revisit that band so my story is i saw them open for system of a down when i was 15 years old and it was like really cool and i, I probably remembered the songs that they were playing like when they started but they just built it up into where it was just, you know, noise. And I remember just looking at my friends. I'm like, all right, how long is this going to go along for? But I was only 15. So I didn't really, you know, I was stoked to see system. So maybe it's time where I actually like delve into the albums and actually un- unpack what, what they were doing. It's you been should. a while. Yeah. You definitely should have dude. Yeah. The singer's hard to get by for a lot of people. I feel, and same with like rush, Getty Lee, that whole, like uh, the high pitched male singing. 
it's for some people when i for when i first heard that i thought it was the same as farting vocals basically i was like <laughs> this is comical he sounds he sounds like he's uh, it's a joke but then it's because i wasn't mature enough to yeah. take it in same i heard it at universal studios when i was a little kid they were playing it on the fucking intercom of universal studios they were playing the louse in the comatorium and they played it over and over and i was like they kept playing the now i'm lost and I, I was like, this guy's voice is weird, but I always remembered that melody. And I heard it 10 years later and went, oh shit, I remembered that from being a little kid. Mm-hmm. And then I listened to the whole album and it just, it's the best shit ever made. So Deloused in the Comatorium from front to end is a yeah. perfect album. Perfect album to me. There's perfect I, al- I Anima from Tool, perfect album. Oh Dude. yeah, no, I, um, I agree on that. Casey, who's, um, I, sorry, go ahead, dude. No, what? Uh, the drummer friend of yours who was at Visions for a minute. I'm trying to remember his name. Jesse Turner. Yeah. Dude, mm-hmm. Jesse, uh, he was jamming with Thomas Pridgen up in the Bay for a little bit. He was like hanging out with Thomas up there. Yeah, dude. He lives in Berkeley. I I, me- I saw the Dillinger escape plan at the park side and this guy walked next to me and went, hey, is Dillinger on yet? And I went, no, you're Thomas Pridgen from the Mars Volta. And I was just like, <laughs> like, oh my God, you're the best dude. And I fanboyed out. So I fanboyed out for drummers, I think, more than anybody. Like I saw uh, Snarky Puppy live. Yeah, I don't know if yeah. you're, they're, they're fucking an amazing jazz band. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Kamasi uh, Washington opened, who's he's a fantastic, uh, fantastic. Oh, I love Kamasi. Yeah, and uh, Ronald Bruner Jr. played drums for him. He's played for Hell Suicidal yeah. Tendencies, uh, and his brother's Thundercat, who's one of my favorite bass mm. players, too. Yep, yep. I was and, just thinking about him like 30 seconds ago. I was like, I wonder if Nate's down with Thundercat. Oh, dude, I've <laughs> seen him three times. He's he's probably one of my favorite bass players, for sure. Oh, dude. His tiny desk, uh, little 12-minute fucking three-song set, dude. Oh, oh my god but again too so seeing kamasi washington i i didn't know anything about kamasi washington when i saw him mm-hmm. i heard a stand-up bass player solo and i went that guy sounds like thundercat and i couldn't see him but i heard thundercat in his playing so there it is again it's like he he injects his personality into his playing i heard thundercat yeah. without seeing him and then i remember a snarky puppy came on and i'm watching their set they're amazing and I look next to me and Ronald Bruner sitting next to me, the drummer that, that I've been so inspired by. And I went to, I went, sorry, man, I'm going to have to fanboy out. You, you know, Ronald, you are Ronald Bruner. You don't know it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. He was super nice and like talked to me about music and it was great. So uh, I, I get inspired by just musicians of all sorts, piano, whatever instrument you're playing. I get inspired by people who are inspired too. If, even if you suck, if I see somebody, rocking out and owning their shit like they 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 meant it to do that i get inspired by that i'm like fuck yeah. that guy's doing it he's rocking yeah, yeah. Shit. he doesn't give yeah. a shit yeah yeah well i was gonna say like i was uh you were talking about like alice and chains and stuff kind of earlier and stuff and uh i was jamming some stuff with a student like and like just super appreciating jerry cantrell's guitar playing you know and like it's like so soulful and he's he shreds but like in such a cool tasteful way you know and like um it kind of like reminded me like like i love that song on your guys's album on hymns i I, hymns is my favorite just i love everything that you have done but like that i don't know for some reason that's just my favorite it's they're all great you know but i just love hymns um and uh presence of mind that track track four 
is such a cool like instrument like, it kind of reminds me almost like of like some like mad season influence is there any of that in there like that kind of like, uh, like the tambourine and like that like the i love up. mad season yeah uh, i do love that so that song i wrote that song because that was my collaboration song i was like i want to mm -hmm. have mark hawkins from florida solo on it the piano solo okay. is my buddy Chaz uh, that I've talked about playing uh, his piano solo. Yeah. Uh, uh, Max is on, I think, that song as well. That's an example of me saying, hey, Max, I have a song solo over it and him just playing it, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so I don't know directly what that song was inspired by. Oh, I can say this. It was inspired by playing my dad's ovation because it's such oh, a yeah. hard guitar to play. Uh, I picked it up and I plugged it in. It has a very weird sound. It almost sounds electric because it's playing through that 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 super like small body plastic hard body. Back. Cool. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I wrote that beginning riff because it was almost the only thing I could play because the action is like one inch off the fretboard. Dang. So I, I wanted to have a song that was my dad's guitar mm -hmm. because the other song on that album is called "A Generation Past," right? So there's the the instrumentals are basically like past, present, and future kind of thing. Oh, okay. Right? Sick. so generation past i wrote that the day my grandfather died mm -hmm. i said man i feel horrible i'm gonna take off of work and i went home and i wrote and i recorded that whole song and i wanted to keep that it's, cool. so music is all about moments to me like i said it's it's not necessarily mm -hmm. if i played everything perfectly it's if what was did i feel like i captured that moment the way i wanted so bringing up your dad again and talking about moments and how you guys were able yeah. to resurrect a moment that you thought was lost yeah so let's hear that story real quick I my thought dad it was, was cool. a musician and uh i met those rides in his station wagon i was talking about earlier he would play his demo from when he was fucking 25 years old and it it was uh folk music it was a song called to be with you irene who's my mom he's still with her oh. uh it was called cruising down mission street in san francisco and uh those are the songs I knew. I knew of two songs. So there was only a tape of it that I knew of in existence. And that tape is gone forever. And I was cleaning their house and I found the master reel, the quarter inch reel of it. So I brought it to Hyde Street Studios in San Francisco and they tried to play it. And they said, this is too damaged. Apparently the glue melts in them and they can't spin anymore. So I took it to some guy who melts it and they unreal it and they wipe the glue off and he remastered it to bring it back to where my dad had it, which was him singing and playing guitar. I found out there's a third song I didn't even know about. And I brought it to my studio and I went, well, it's my dad singing and playing guitar. So I want to jam with my dad right now. So I, I put drums on it and I put bass on it. I put layers on it. I put ebos on it. I harmonized it. Uh, I took that new song. I put sick feels over it and made it like a dark song. And uh, for Father's Day, I, I, I had like a four day window to do it. So I got the master tape. I listened to all the songs. I recorded them. And then Father's Day, I gave it to him like four days later. And my dad was like, what, what were you going to listen to? And I went, you'll see. And he just heard it. And I, I saw like what music does, right? He, when he heard that, it literally made him go like, Do, you brought my ideas, what I wanted to hear back. He's like, I heard it like you just did it. And it, what Damn. it did to my dad was make him go, hey, I want to change that part into be with you. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I, it's a gift, bro. It is what it is. It's done. You <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, then that's what I mean. It's like, it's moments in time, right? These, these recordings are moments in time that you're going to listen to later. And whether you played them well or not, if you don't play them well, you're going to listen to them older and say, 
I could play that better now for sure. I'm yeah. better now. You hear that progression. If you're always perfect, then that's yeah. what you're going to hear. Fine. I, I would hope that you play perfectly all the time. I, I, I don't, I, I certainly don't. And I, I don't capture those moments. Well, either. <laughs> perfect, just perfect playing. I capture what I, what I consider to be moments, you know, that's a great story. Yeah. It's awesome. My dad's also it. a folk singer and he's got songs and uh, I should probably record him playing them now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Just do blast beats over him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dad, I remixed your song. Check it out, dude. Yeah. Lo fi, like, yeah. Yeah, we have Diego playing in the background just to kind of like give it a little flush. Yeah. It just... was weird, though, dude, like putting your headphones on and like I could hear my dad talking to the engineer. And it, it was just so such a weird feeling because I felt like I was with my dad when he was my age, basically. Yeah, I, I was like, what a trip. I'm, I'm in the studio with him right now. It felt so weird. It was such a, a cool moment for me musically. It's like one of my favorite moments. Musically. Dude, you're never gonna top that for fucking Father Day's Father's Day, kiss, dude. <laughs> dude I, I know, I know. You're fucking done. You topped out right there, dude. <laughs> it is yeah. pretty much it. Everyone said it too. They heard it and they were like, "Well, I don't want to even give my gift." <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it's gonna be a boxes of chocolates from now on <laughs> the guy's fucking crying over here now <laughs> yeah i got him no, crying super fucking cool dude it really yeah. is a fucking cool story so yeah, was your dad awesome. is he like a san, san francisco bohemian kind of guy is that like the no, image my, I should my, have? my parents are working class we're, we're we're trades people you know i'm a sheet metal worker i'm a union sheet metal worker my dad is he was a pg e he, he worked in the uh the the warehouse of PGE, and he became an engineer, a uh, field engineer. PGE. My mom was a banker. Uh, we're, you know, we're just a middle class family, really. You know, okay. my dad is not a hippie, uh, San Francisco guy. That's what I mean. San Francisco is just, I, I love San Francisco as a city because it's just, it really is what you get out of it and how diverse it is. And for me, San Francisco was finding Amoeba Records. It's, it was the pound, it was this community of musicians all over the place. It was, it, it was, wait, what's the pound? <laughs> it was uh, the pound you know there we go all right I gotta take a shot. you know it was uh it, it's that it, it's it's that feeling of collaboration that i always liked and i feel san francisco yeah. for me is that and my studio kind of is a hub for that when, when i'd have people over to play music in bands and uh we always have fun just playing music with each other like hey solo over this thing let's let's trade solos back and forth and uh now people when they're in town they hit me up and I'm like hey dude i got some time you want to solo over some shit like fuck yeah come over let's let's uh let's play guitar trade ideas and show me what you're working on because you can inspire me just as much as the other way too it, that's what music is you see somebody do something you go that's cool how do you what's that technique you learn a new technique that can make you learn new ideas that are in your style now you know it's uh th that's what we're all doing you know we're collaborating with each other i think or should be uh, you really get something different out of music when you collaborate i feel mm -hmm. like even though ontogeny is written all by me in the sense that i write all the songs it's a collaboration it, once it goes to keith and we start hearing how drums work over it because it becomes keith saying nah we should change this to work in this way and do this you know but hell yeah hell and, yeah dude Hell yeah. It's so weird hearing like you guys talk about my shit because like uh, decrepit birth and odious cryptic implosion. When I first heard that, first off, oh by the way, I was gonna try out on fucking bass 
Oh, for odious. Th that was also a mention in one of your early episodes. You said, yeah, we tried out some bass players for odious. And then we ended up on Ivan. I was the bass player that you were going to try. Did I hit I you up it. about that? Yeah, it was after you saw me play in the basement. You went, dude, I'm going to I'm going to hit you up uh, to you wanted me to play for decrepit first or try out for decrepit. And OK. And I saw Decrepit's tabs and I started learning uh, their songs and I was playing them. And I, it just, I was like, these are so not my style. I love the songs, but it's just not what I want to play at all. So I kind of just, yeah, like, it's not, not for me playing. That's like right. I think we had a guitar player that was pretty much ready to go. And then um, one day he like, we're getting close to tour. We're getting like um, two months from tour or something. And he's like, oh, I'm not into it. And we're like, uh like what then i think that's when i hit you up immediately because i'm like i know a guy could easily play this shit and um yeah i think you actually i think you actually said that to me you're like ah i want to but it's just not my it's just not my deal you know like i'm you're more of the rhythmic style you know with your weird chords chunking off time shit like decrepit I, I love like, decrepit i just i can't imagine myself playing it is all like i love when i first i bought prelude to the apocalypse uh, uh because of the album cover i bought it because i went unique leader and that's the sickest album cover i've ever seen so i bought it and uh i when i first heard it uh, the production didn't phase me at all because i heard that production went this sounds fucking weird <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lot. it sounds like i'm listening to this band in their basement shred some fucking death metal you know yeah uh, and, and i it captured a moment you know it, it captured that moment in time and i always think of hearing that and then seeing it live and seeing those riffs that were like the suffo riffs yeah, with yeah. <laughs> and seeing what that did live you know what i mean and seeing the crowd move to those riffs was like that's what's up they get it because the, the, these moments you know they're moments that are sick uh i just couldn't imagine myself playing it and then the odious stuff on bass I think you ended up getting Ivan to play, but I, I learned a couple of songs and I love Odious a lot. And again, it's it's just like so so not my style of playing. I couldn't imagine myself yeah. learning it, you know? It's a weird <laughs> style for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so not my style of playing. It was just yeah. I, I realized like my style is so different too that I almost have to be in a band that accepts me for my playing, which is what Anomalous and Soul Sunder did was yeah. they said we like your style we're gonna bring your style in and i always felt like if i played those like those bands i would never be able to play my style you know it would well, always be something else it's cool that it's all super different you know fuck yeah you know, we're all like influenced by the same stuff like like you Hell do yeah. a lot of you know it's so cool it's like 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 listening like you know I've, I've heard your stuff a bunch but like like re-listening to all of it like I, I always listen to everything before the episodes to like refresh and stuff and just out of respect for the guests and because i don't have a full-time job right now so i got time to do that <laughs> and uh oh, yeah and uh man fucking it's like it's so cool like hearing shit that you're just like fuck dude i would have never thought of that you know yeah the, the, and then there's some things that are similar that you're like oh yeah yeah cool okay it's still unique and different you know it's like speech or something or like everyone like talks the same whatever we, there's connections but like there's like that thing where it's like oh man like a bunch of parts i mean a ton of parts where i'm just like holy crap like that's so like original you know like so, yeah yeah I never, well, right on i've never, never thought you. of that and then you shred like so gnarly a guitar too like your solos 
that was like one of the main thing i was i was texting joel and anthony you know i was like dude so like some of those solos i'm like jesus christ dude like really really like virtuoso style you know like but like really sick like it's not about like they're they're with feeling but it's like the note choices and 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 the writing is what it comes down to because well i think what fucked me up about nate is that he was a bass player to me um before when i walked into your basement your third floor or whatever basement uh, you were a bass player to me and you're like oh well, you're like playing guitar and i was like oh that's cool he's playing guitar too and then uh then he played me what was it discord and i was like what the fuck like this is insane like it's same thing um dylan from brain drill um so he was in uh you know uh i forget uh burn at the stake mm-hmm. and he was me and him were jamming to be in, uh, he's like he was recruiting me to be the guitar player burn at the stake and then he's all you know what I have all these other songs that uh, I'm starting this new metal death metal project. Uh, let me show it to you. And then he played it in front of me. I was like, what? The, I don't even know what that is. Like, what is I don't even understand. Like, because he's he's got this no music theory approach, just like visceral. This is what I think sounds good. I, I taught him like how to harmonize, you know, like he didn't know like anything. He like basically knew that he could fucking play really fast. He can, you know, had like super insane picking abilities and stuff and he could you know play riffs really fast and he was really spastic but um yeah then i went through that whole thing with him trying to find drummers with that band but that was a nightmare but um yeah that yeah no one of those just kind of like self-taught fucking freaks that just had his own palette that he painted with that i didn't make any sense to someone that was just trying to keep it in the pocket you know or like understand the normal sense of music like i was just like what the f- I remember like bringing Casey and David into the room and being like, Hey Dylan, play that thing you just played for me. And they were just like, what? Like, I don't even get like what's it's insane, but I don't get like my brain's yeah. not understanding it. You know what I mean? It's almost it's like the- your brain has been drilled. If you will. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's, here's a point that I don't know if, if it's been made, but like in some, in some fields, like, you know, like theory, like there's like stuff that happens and um, I don't know. I, in sciences, you know, we usually think theory, we use it to predict what's going to happen. In the case of music, it's like the music comes first and then you have to invent the theory to explain the music. It's always the music and the originality and the creativity comes first. And then it's up to theoreticians later to figure out what the hell just happened. And people haven't done that yet with metal. It's one of, one of my projects is like starting with Diego's kind of stuff. When I play with him, trying to tab that shit. It's like people just haven't fucking done it yet. And like when people like Nate come to the table or even Dylan, it's like, it's not like what they know isn't theoretical. It's just the theory isn't developed yet. To, yeah. yeah. Or even applicable yet. So the theory and the creativity comes first. That's what's, Definitely. what's interesting uh, about Guthrie art. Govan said that Gut- Guthrie Govan, one of the, my favorite uh, guitar players. Oh ever. yeah. He's, he's made that he, point. Yeah. I've seen it made a few times. Yeah. That's cool. He, he, was, he was asked that and he said, uh, I would rather you, somebody who just can play before you know what you're playing in the end. But mm-hmm. I, I recently started taking uh, lessons like in the past three years for music theory and really, really seeing what I was doing and, and noticing like, cause I, I I'm all by ear and what, what I want to hear. So I started seeing, Oh, I, I was doing stuff like this. I was playing this chord and I was in this mode and, and, and started getting into the theory more of it. But even then I'm still not there yet as far. I, I, I'm very much feeling based. I'm an emotive player. I consider myself to be that. So if I start getting too much into charts, I start just getting bored. Yeah, with it and that's how Mazzatello from Decrepit was always saying stuff like that. Like he re- didn't really know any theory at all. He doesn't know any like what's going on at all. But he's like, 
he basically is a stall if you can't i mean i don't know if he really put it like this but this is kind of how i remember it which is like if you can't like like if it's not coming out naturally and it's not like flowing to you and like you're not writing music in a way that like you know makes sense to you then he's all theories a way to fall back on something that could kind of categorize yeah. it and make you kind of understand what you're doing or maybe give you a path of where to go next um but he was kind of just like i just it sounds good so i'm just writing it you know what i mean that's yeah. that's kind of like where he was with well, it so my my opinion about it is that you don't need to know theory to sh to shred or, or play music it has nothing to do with like being creative mm -hmm. you know but um it is interesting to know more about what you're doing and kind of stuff and it's kind of funny watching some people like like i feel like some people act like they know like it's like kind of cool with guitar to like act like you don't know theory but you do you know oh yeah, and oh, like, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of a thing and i think it's kind of oh, okay. funny so like for example marty friedman is a sneaky one so like you know one of the best <laughs> guitarists in the world who was one of my favorites in the entire world but uh he'll always be like oh yeah i don't know any theory like i don't know anything and then just be like yeah, so I just go to the from this Hero Joshi scale, like down to this, like you know, <laughs> scale, like flat nine to this, like you know, like just like jumping around, like and you're like, uh, I'm playing a Japanese scale, or, like whatever he calls it, like all of his, yeah, the the, the fifth of the Hero Joshi, whatever it is, like you know, all these like super theoretical things, that, and he's just like, oh, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing though, you know, and you're like, Dude, yeah, 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 good. come on, you know, so once you start, being able to and the funny part is when it comes to drums like rudiments and theory is like everyone's all about it like oh oh do you know how to do a you know fucking pat a pat a flap of fucking you know <laughs> ratamacue paradiddles you know, inverted <laughs> paradiddles double no triple period you know everything like is a total like oh yeah like and so it's kind of funny to be like oh you know like you don't need to know i don't know but it, I think it, with it, drums it, though it, too, you gotta like yeah. drums is one of those things like you can't get away with like not knowing stuff. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, you're like gonna sound like balls if you, <laughs> if, you if you don't know. Like if you're I've heard, like, oh, I don't know theory. Like, I've I don't heard, need to count, yeah. dude. I just fucking one, two, seven, eight, nine. I've heard tesseract. <laughs> some drummers yeah. that do tesseract. They're <laughs> like, yeah, totally, yeah, we don't we don't know what we're doing. We just feel yeah, it yeah. out. And I'm like, no, no. do you really like? Yeah, it's a but good question. But you don't. No, it's art, dude. It's fucking art. I'm not saying you need to know anything to make great music. I'm not saying that at all. It is art you you don't need to know shit i'm just saying it's funny that, that like um that like some there there's like a, a like a pride that goes along with not knowing. yeah i'm like, oh, sick dude i don't know any of that it sounds like, way I, the story or, or, is way or to, cooler or, or, or to be like i'm so good but i don't know anything yeah yeah that's what i'm saying it's like the story is way cooler like about that's yourself cool. of like if like yeah, oh i yeah. just felt it it came out of my own talent it's like, almost like it yeah, fell you're out like a, of me you're yeah. like a conduit of something else that's channeling it exactly i don't even know dude i don't know that being <laughs> said uh i just want to let you guys know that i'm a conduit of something else that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i think that's funny that's kind of interesting though because i feel like almost metal before was the opposite you, the people would like to say, "Oh, I learned theory. I, I was classically trained." In like it. Randy Rose. Yeah, yeah. It was almost the exact yeah, opposite, exactly. and now it's like yeah. it's gotten so pristine that people are like, yeah. "No, I suck, though." Actually, yeah, yeah. I don't know anything. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I don't. But I don't know. Me, it's, it's, it's truthful for me that it's just not something I ever focused on. I, I uh, songwriting still to me, like I said, I, I consider myself to be a terrible terrible soloist in my eyes because i've seen max play around me i i've i've played with somebody that i say that dude knows what the fuck he's doing because he could sit in that room yeah. i could hand him a guitar and he plays what's on an album that to, that's to me what's good for me 
I can do that, but I get comfortable with a chord change. I play it and then I'm like, okay, now, now we're jamming with each other. We're playing now I'm in my groove. He's okay. instant groove. So uh, when I say I'm a shitty soloist for me, it's like, uh, I realize I'm, soloist, dude. I'm not the guitar <laughs> so player, uh, but uh, I there's, I've seen good guitar players you know that are just make me feel like quitting guitar every day that's well all. if you're a shitty soloist then like we should just never record a solo again on <laughs> dude you guys yeah. got jars and back on cryptic and Blows. well yeah but that was uh, him not us oh no, <laughs> yeah yeah no that, that was, was i just mean was us. a conduit of us during jars and back is a wizard you know, dude I'm just a sorcerer of the guitar yeah you know amazing so. that, that but that dude also knows his theory too yeah and he does know his theory yeah I know he's the, the opposite of that i don't know yeah he knows. yeah <laughs> he fucking knows he knows but it backwards he, yeah he has he's created his own tool. theory yeah. oh he's like a, he's a fucking scientist of the guitar well blotted science he yeah. like used theory to write that out like that album is oh, all dude. based on theory and yeah. he used it as his tool like almost algorithmic yeah yeah, which is kind of what you hear when you yeah. listen to that album. You hear the mathematics of it almost and how calculated it is. And Jarzenbeck is such a calculated player. His his timing is so perfect. All the notes fit perfectly every time. Uh, yeah. he's, he's an amazing Circle player. Circle of I 12 tones or some shit. 12 like tones shit, yeah. yeah, he's, yeah he, he Did, I don't know if this is true. I don't favorites. know if I read it, but is can't doesn't he like translate sentences into notes somehow? Like, oh, yeah, in letters oh, and yeah, yeah. Like, in birthdays and all kinds of shit. Dude. Oh, Names. Oh, he's got his own app, dude, that does it, oh, yeah. it takes uh, sentences or just you could put like Dude. fuck you anthony and he'll be like yeah exactly an, i bet you that fucking scale sick bro <laughs> he'll make a riff in like you know anthony trapani and it's like a, you know? <laughs> sorry for the fuck you anthony that was just my that was kind of and i was kind of regressive it's the whiskey i just went to whiskey gotta settle down dude well, well, kinda, is that good whiskey or shitty whiskey it's fucking like 90 dollar bottle what is it what is it i don't i don't even know some reserve whatever Nice. But he got me. No, he told me to go. He's all, "Hey, son, stop by the liquor store in Aptos. You have a gift waiting for you." And I went there, and it was like this fancy, uh, you know, fit twenty-year aged something. It's fucking nice. amazing. It's so good. It's it was is the it last bourbon sip or is it rye? It's bourbon. It's bourbon. I love bourbon, dude. So Nate, like, yeah. what are your like top influences of, as guitarists of guitarists? Uh, guitar. I mean, John Lennon. For sure, I, I, John Lennon's actually a great rhythm guitar player. Strong right hand playing, moves chords really fast. Um, James Headfield was huge. His right hand technique—he was so solid with that. Uh, then Frederick Thorndahl, uh, Mashuga. His solos are some of my favorite. Bouncing in a bottomless pit from Soul Niger Within is one of the my favorite solos of all time. It it, it just it tickles me so well. <laughs> and uh, let's see, I I would say. Frederick Thorndahl is probably my favorite right now, for sure. And he kind of always will be. Meshuggah is, I'm wearing a Meshuggah shirt now. I can't see it, but they they they, they are the my special band where I, I will always see them live. And Frederick Thorndahl has gone now, but they got Pierre Nelson. I know. What's up with that? What's up with the Frederick Thorndahl thing? Dude, I don't know, but Pierre Nelson's really good, too. Oh, he's so awesome. I, I follow I him on everything. To feel I wanted to feel bad, but then I saw him start soloing, and I was like, "All right, he's good." He, yeah, good. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're good. He's no, he's good. amazing. I, I um, I was always kind of like half in with Mashuga. I like love the timings. Um, this is we're talking 2017 or 16. I was like, you know, I was like half foot in, half foot like, okay, well, I get there. Their technical timings. I don't really 
I was still not understanding. I mean, Chaos Fear, my brother showed me when I was a little kid. Um, he handed me chaos. He bought me Chaos Fear and, and uh, Calculating to Infinity uh, from Dillinger. Um, and like 99, he had like, yeah, he, had, he handed me those two things. He's like, this is the new shit that's coming out. And I was like, what? And I just showed it to my friends to be like, yeah, I'm, I have the crazy stuff. My brother just showed it to me. But um, um, Trevor, like we went to an Aftershock festival over with in, uh, Sacramento. And um, we got super close from Meshuggah. And uh, I watched them play live, and I was like, "What in the fuck is going?" Like, I was like, "My it clicked finally. It finally made sense." Wait, was finally, that the 2017 like, aftershock? Yeah, yeah. With, yeah. With Tool, yeah, Tool, there. and Slayer. Tool, Tool Slayer, Mashuga. I was Primus. there, dude. Oh I was yeah, there yeah. Too. I was oh, yeah. absolutely there. I gotta say this too about that. What Missed I thought. Connections, bro. Yeah, what's up? I'm a huge <laughs> Tool fan and Primus fan too. I've seen Primus a lot. Uh, I thought Mashuga upstage Tool without visual. Visual too. Me too. I saw. Actually, no. I was I was completely blown away. I was completely yeah. blown away by Mashuga, and I, I was attributing it the next day. I was like, I must have been just like really drunk and smoked a joint or something, because I was like sitting there like hitting Trevor and going, "Damn, what the fuck?" Because they were so I was tight. in that pit, dude, during Future oh, yeah. Machine. Yeah. So, yeah. so Nate, totally. quick quick guess of all of us who is Swedish. All four of us. <laughs> I'm gonna guess uh Casey Howard. Is that right? <laughs> no. No? One more guess. Casey Howard. I'm just <laughs> Joseph. Joseph is Swedish. I got I got half Swedish blood, yeah. Nice. And then the other side is is uh German and Austrian, Polish, kind of Jewish, just what general Eastern Europeans. Yeah, it's oh, the Germans. Say Germans in the here. German Jews who had to immigrate, you know. That's yeah, why yeah. we came. So that's America's real, chilling for real, that, you know. Fun fact, yeah. So yeah. One of those German Italians. So. Ah, <laughs> hell yeah. My Meshuga, uh, Meshuga, Meshuga's experience was fucking with uh, he's, he's Wait, sober too. Did I just do another? Part. I know. Did I just do a decrepitated tormentation, dude? Meshugaist, <laughs> going deep reference. Uh, uh, and cynic at at slims dude oh yeah no totally. they blew my fucking the faceless. Mind. i was into it yeah faceless too yeah i saw I, that I was, tour also yeah yeah i was i was down with my sugar at the time i was like damn they're fucking crazy and heavy but something about that aftershock show just like completely twist i like to the point where i was like listening to it every day you know like i was like mm -hmm. in i was like finally like i get it like i'm your third eye just finally <laughs> yeah well i mean i just up. you know listen to it and i and i still actually nate maybe i can pick your brain on this off off this but i just don't understand like i know the fours the fours kicking um i don't understand how they're writing like number wise i know uh, we toured with vale maya and, and they kind of had this a similar like number scale where they'd be like oh that's like seven two three four seven eight four i was like oh what and that well, like so, so and to me like, i I think Meshuga doesn't write like I definitely don't write like that, and Meshuga doesn't, and that's why I separate Meshuga from gent bands. Because what I think what, what a lot of people end up talking about are groupings of eighth notes, where they say, "Oh, there's eight, there's four, there's three. They're they're just groups of eight notes." Meshuga yeah. is not just groups of eighth notes to me. Gr Meshuga is a cycle of four four. So if you yeah, listen yeah. to something in four, it takes four measures to cycle back, or sometimes it will take longer than that. So Meshuga very much for me is a trance. It's, 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 they, they put you in that, yeah. that jungle trance of, uh, we're, we're fucking, uh, we're, uh, that's what they do. They bring everyone to that moment of jungle trance. You hear fucking 
it's very tribal you know it, it, it's very yeah, much i feel that i don't sure. get that from a lot of the gent bands because there's there's a lot of the uh the poppiness about it which is that style so i definitely don't think mashuga's in that they are mashuga's visceral to me they are they are capturing something that people have in them that sometimes they don't know i i show mm. mashuga bands to people that don't like metal that are jazz guys and i show them future breed machine and once the ending comes on to that they always go Every time, whether, whether yeah. they like metal or not it, it, it's that band that does it or i show them soul niger within and they go this is oh yeah this yeah. is something outside of what i knew metal was and mashuga is a band that transcended genres because jazz bands uh uh john zorn said mashuga is one of his favorite band tigran hamasian's inspired by mashuga he's he's mashuga and they never stop screaming too they're one of the bands that don't have clean vocals. They never stop screaming, but yet they are every genre. People go, yeah, Meshuggah's pretty good, dude, because they have something that's unique and and cool and interesting and tribal. Like I said, you hear it. It is tribal. It's like archaic. It brings kind of like a caveman part out of you. No, I, yeah, I definitely it, feel that. And yeah. live, it's it transcends that. And mm -hmm. when that at the pound that lit that place on fucking fire. So take another shot because I said the pound. But the, the that <laughs> place, I remember for Future Breed Machine, the last song they played, I got thrown on stage to where I was sitting on the stage at the pound, and I was rocking out, and I didn't realize that somebody's head was under my elbow <laughs> on the stage, and I'm sitting there. I'm grinding this dude's head into the of the pound. I don't even know it. That, but he didn't give a shit because it was Meshuga. Where everyone's losing their minds for Meshuga, and uh, I, I still do that. I saw Meshuga with, uh, fuck, it was in San Jose at the Rock Gallery. It was recently with. I love him, Intronaut. Internet. yeah oh yeah 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 oh yeah an amazing show and right before mashuga played i went i'm taking five shots of jack daniels and i'm running to the top because i'm an old man <laughs> and i need to get drunk to do that shit so <laughs> that's, that's what i did and it that's awesome it, it was awesome it was yeah after awesome. that uh after that aftershock show i made the commitment like anytime they come around and i can like i can feasibly get to it like i'm going i'm buying mm -hmm. tickets in advance and i'm going it's just like one of those bands that, that it took that aftershock show to be like all right well it clicks yeah. now i get it like i get it completely you know and them live does that i think yeah they're a live band and they're Nate, so fucking yeah. perfect live this is like the, the part that fucks with me like like going from live and then like i'm gonna go in my car and listen to it tomorrow when i'm going to work um it's this almost the same experience once you understand it live you know what i mean like it's almost like you're sitting there just like getting chills and shit you're like jesus christ like for me my my favorite i'm a new school fan so just i mean chaos fear i obviously loved you know um i forget that song but um i, I loved one song off that i used to listen to that all the time when i was a kid but um i love that one song but then uh that song clockworks elastic i think is that song uh no it's called i think it's called chaos fear i think it's a, like a self something like that chaos i don't even know but um yeah look it up look it up uh, Jamie, I, I know up? every note of that song and I know every rhythm of that song, but I don't know if I know the title, but I thought it no, was a the song clockworks. There's a there's a that's drum a newer one. Through. Yeah, it's a newer one um, with Thomas Hawk playing that through like there's a video of him playing that through and I like show it to my dad and all of his because he's like, you know, he's owned a, you know, 
the aristocrats and kind of like the new, you know, like uh, Gunther Govan stuff. Like he's all into like kind of the new school or not new school, but just like that dad kind of shred, like Satriani, Vi. Like he's all into that stuff and in the, in the, in the, the players that play with him, you know, Stu Ham and, you know, all it's the, neurotica. I've never, I've never What's referred to that as dad shred, dude. Neurotica. Like neurotica. Yeah, yeah. Oh, dad shred? Yeah, yeah dad dude, shred. That's yeah, a new term said. for me. No, no, he's like he's like deep into it, into the dad tread. He'll like show me these these bands and stuff, and it's just like got that satch. It's got that satch bounce to it, like the satch kind of the alien dude. Yeah, it's like, and it's just like them just jamming on this yeah. like basic thing, but they're shredding. But they're jamming on kind of yeah. this like bass. They're not like the songwriting part is not really there. It's more like improvisation or like off a basic kind of a rhythm or something pretty uh, rhythmically. It's pretty basic, you know. Uh, but the the playing is really good. But yeah. it's um so i just like to shoot him like once i got in the, like my sugar i sent him that vi- like clockworks video i'm like check this out and he was like what the fuck <laughs> he, like he like yeah. got mad at me he's like i don't even know dude like <laughs> stay away from me <laughs> i remember showing my dad Mashuga and him saying this guy sounds really angry at something and i was like i think he might be dude he's, he's really pissed off he was screaming uh yeah dad rock that's a funny one yeah 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 no, dad, totally. shred, no. dad, dad shred dad shred dad shred, dad shred. yeah yeah would you say dad shred with the satch vibe dude yeah, yeah it's like shred. it's like you're getting a little outside the box it's like you're into like dream theater that's a little outside the box of dad, dad shred, shred but it's right also in the fucking pocket too like, it you know, might be a little like, too Petrucci. far dude satriani <laughs> yeah. is like the one they're like no, nothing touches satriani <laughs> yeah yeah i don't want to hear it satriani's the best I know yeah, exactly yeah. the type of person you're talking or, um, about. Exactly. Uh, Eric Johnson. Eric uh, Johnson. I love I love Eric Johnson, though. Yeah. Oh, you know, one, uh, one that's they're, cool they're is insane. Jimmy. So, yeah. like, when I got showed Jimi Hendrix as a little kid, my mom showed me. And I remember being scared by Jimi Hendrix. And that was a cool feeling as a little kid was watching. I was like, this fucking guy is humping his guitar amp. Lighting on fire. He just lit it on fucking fire. And he looks like yeah. he's possessed. Well, and I remember being scared, and that feeling of being scared was was inspiring too. It made me go like, oh, maybe the Beatles being such a happy band isn't all there is too. You know, maybe there's <laughs> something outside of that. And then Metallica, yep. that like, you know, the some dad rock shit is still the sickest shit ever. Um, oh, I just listened to Mahavishnu Orchestra. Oh yeah, yeah. Apocalypse. Which yeah, is, produced by George Martin, who produced the Beatles. There's some moments album. on that that are heavier than mm. death metal right now. And well, it, was Hendrix that? is is like the original dad shred, like dude. You know? <laughs> and uh, also, I've noticed, you know, because you know, I'm I'm going into new careers, but I've I've been teaching music a long time, and like dad rock used to be like Kansas and Sticks and all that and Toto and all that kind of shit, you know. And uh, now, dude, dad rock is like Nirvana. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, oh yeah. It's, it's transcended. I'm like dude i mean i'm like 37 you know and i'm like god damn it you know actually when when everything got weird for me was uh, i was listening to a classic rock station they're like okay up next nirvana and i was like oh my god yeah classic I, rock that's classic nirvana. rock now no, oh no, my god dude. it's not guns well, and roses years. is the last classic rock band well it's 25 yeah. years makes it classic right so it's like our, it's uh, no now, no, right? no it's a genre it's not it's not an era it's a genre it's a style yeah. I wouldn't even would you I guess Guns N' no, Roses No it is it, 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 it's rock. a genre I I wouldn't consider Guns N' Roses classic rock but they could Yeah I wouldn't either yeah, no, it's like classic you know, like ACDC metallic classic rock, rock. <laughs> Aerosmith <laughs> is classic rock you know Yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like that shit rock. Yeah 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 Van Halen it's like I don't know 
Like I mean, it, it, is the start, I think, of, of hair 80s. Metal. Yeah. 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 yeah it was yeah. like 80s rock, or yeah. I don't know. I mean, like heavy metal. Who's fucking, t- who says heavy metal, dude? I know. I know. You know? <laughs> like, like, is that like Motley Crue? No, it's butt I mean, heavy metal is more like butt rock. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like Motley Crue and shit like I, that. I will say this I hate this resurgence in Motley Crue. I fucking I, I, I inspired. They are garbage. Uh, I don't. I don't care what. This is something we need to talk about, right? Casey's <laughs> Casey's the only Molly Crew fan I know. I like. I like. Two, I'm not I, a Molly Crew fan. I like. I like three sure. songs. You got like me into songs. it, so you know. You know it's no, it's no, one no. of those bands that you listen to and you go, "God damn, they had a lot of fucking hits." But then you go, "I hate every one of these songs." I, I just. <laughs> oh yeah! It. No! 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 No, I, I'm hate, a, I hate everything they stand for too. I I I, I, <laughs> like, I like heroin. Like a, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I, know. <laughs> I like them from like a music teacher standpoint. Like I'm like I'd rather play this than like you know, oh Imagine yeah, Dragons or something like you know. So I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, dude, okay, cool. Let's do some old Motley Crue. Then the older stuff is is pretty fun. But, and they uh, tuned to D. They tuned to D pretty. Yeah. Early. They were like one of the first bands that tuned to just nah, straight dude, standard Mars D, cool, right? man. Whatever. But yeah, but I'm not. I mean, I'm not. I've never cared about Motley Crue. Like you know, it, I, honestly, it's just like in modern times. And after, dude, that, I like Kickstart My Heart. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I like uh, Doctor Feel Good. I like Fuck Girls, Girls, Girls. <laughs> I like all three of them. <laughs> like all three of them. They make dude. me want to just drink beer and I'm happy like, they did it. They have to... all had fun, but they're horrible to me. There's <laughs> nothing more death metal and Cali. Yeah, that type of shit doesn't me either. OG Cali death, dude. I know, I know, I know. Oh, I know, I know, I know. Dude, Nate, I'll fight you, dude. Guns and Roses made better, dude. All the history, and you're gonna fight me over Motley Crew. No, but I still like Guns and Roses. Like, like, there's some good shit. Like, Slash is awesome, and Slash is an amazing guitar player. Yeah. So, okay, okay, at least we can agree on that. Can I like? It's specific yeah. to Motley Crue but because I hated. I think I hated yeah. the dirt so much. That, that movie. Oh, that movie was. It was so, so silly. Much. It, it, oh, I yeah. think that's I what think really. Movie I, I think you just out. hate Machine Gun Kelly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> is is that the guy who played somebody in that? Uh, Tom, uh, Tommy, Tommy Lee. Lee. Yeah. Oh, okay. I know he's the rapper. He was. I didn't even know. Now he's <laughs> dating like Megan Fox or whatever. Yeah, yeah. He, he played Tommy Lee. Oh man, jokes on us. Every right jokes on us. <laughs> can yeah. i can i take things yeah. back once a little on the mashuga trip did you guys check out car bomb yet because car bomb are like oh Meshuggah yeah 2.0 thickest shit ever yeah uh, car bomb's another band where they took i mean they don't sound like gent to me either they made something original with yeah. with influence you know that it's so original when you hear it and they're another band that i could tell that i don't think they're playing with a metronome no they don't play. No, they, they don't even play to a click lot in the studio. They just jam it out. Yeah. Yeah. I and really it, like the raw aspect of the first one. I forget what it's called. The one that came out on relapse. Mm. That's how that's, that was my first introduction. Cause I would, that was, that came out at a time where it was like, if it came out on relapse, I had to check it out, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I stumbled across that shit and I was just, I was like, fuck yeah, dude. I still go back to that. I mean, they're new. Shit, like, there yeah. you go. Um, their newer ones are still just as good. It's just like it, it's way more clean, yeah. Production, clean, you know, playing. I, I actually love the production. So yeah, good. I think it sounds really good. Oh, yeah, I like I, both I, styles. It's true. Yeah. yeah, I just like the raw. Like it, it just feels a little more human on that first record. I like that human feel, you know. But it's still there in the in, in the newer albums too. 
yeah. I, I think uh their new shit is just it's new next level i think they're really pushing some rhythmic ideas that haven't been yeah. done before the, it, totally. the, the slow down speed up stuff mm-hmm. there's bands that do it really well uh, well and i have like ion dissonance did it a lot in their early album solace is a really fucked up album if you listen to solace from ion dissonance and car bomb those those kind of in uh, you can see the influence in each other but car bomb is just they're different because they have this i don't know how even how to put it there there's something different it's less angry it's more have you heard uh, their previous albums before that band it was uh yeah neck and uh spooge Oh no! I, I thought you were saying the oh, other car bomb. These are pre-car bomb bands. Uh, oh, Neck was it. like a dude. It's a new metal like mix. You could there's songs that definitely sound like okay, yeah. These ideas are the ones that they took and applied to the car bomb project after this band. But there's some total like clean kind of horrible fucking singing parts on that shit too that, that you could tell like some guys in that band really wanted to be like fucking part of the new metal scene but then yeah. you had like this band spooge because i did some digging on them a while back and found out that that it's like a a couple of guys from two different bands that were sharing a, a rehearsal studio if i'm not mistaken and spooge was like really in, influenced by like bungle and shit and you could still hear that bungle um influence in car bomb i definitely think that they they take like yeah bungle it, it, throughout their whole entire catalog you can still feel a little spiced did you say like, bunghole yeah bung yeah bung, dude bung, 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 i can I? hear the butthole influence yeah but car bomb's great i i, I love it uh Right now, Tigran Amasian has been the, the the person that I've just endlessly been playing. T- Tigran, spell, spell that for me again. T T I G R. I got it. I just got it. Okay, yeah, uh, found it. Saving it. His live I showed before, you that shit before, Joel. You have showed it to me, but I just don't listen to it. This, the, <laughs> the, yeah, the melodies he has are so deep, and the way he builds songs and his rhythmic ideas, and seeing him play live. He's such an inspiring musician. I was standing two feet away from him as he's playing. And mm-hmm. uh, it, it just, it's, it's so unreal to see musicians of that caliber just play. You're, you're just like, man, you're, you, how did you do this? How did you get that good? Like, I don't think there's any amount of practice that I could get. You know, there's one. still one band that I, and I'm sorry, I'm just, I'm probably drunk now, but uh, I'm just cutting <laughs> everyone off. But um, a stratosphere just still oh. like i listen to that shit and i'm just like i listen to uh just palace of mirrors which is more of their catchier album i'm listening i listened to it uh this weekend the whole thing all the way through and i just go <laughs> i just think to myself i'm like there's there's like nine master's degrees in music playing at the same time like i don't understand like they're playing the shamisen J- japanese guitar and then going into like in their in inter like bringing metal into it bringing funk into it bringing fucking romanian fucking folk yeah. like like the they, most insane fucking polka too right like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Yo, i members i saw secret chiefs three live and that that was so crazy i yeah. saw uh, such a small venue and it's like surf music with yeah. middle eastern yeah stuff and i uh, there's Thalus, 30 fan of Thalus as well i think that's the stratosphere members mm-hmm. uh yeah, Stratosphere was great too. I, I like these bands that find their sound, like we were talking about earlier. Like, yeah, uh, 
finding your sounds cool it sucks when you hear bands that find somebody else's sound that was found already you know it's mm -hmm. like oh explore your own personality it, it, it you, once you find it you start hearing it you go okay that's a more mature sound yeah so a lot a lot of people will end up stop playing when that's the what they go in for they're kind of in it just like oh i'm gonna release a veil of maya album and then they just never play again you, know? you gotta have like riffs that <laughs> yeah. are weird to people like that are like oh that's weird like cool like i wouldn't really do that but like that's cool you know it's yeah like, it's gotta you gotta have your own weirdness you know fuck yeah that, that's what's all and pulling influences you know? all over the place is how i think really what does that once you hear yeah all sorts of music that you start liking i feel like death well, metal yeah. before way less of that listening to outside influence being cool yeah it was very much like oh you, you you're listening to r&b music right now like yeah get the yeah. fuck out of here bro you, you got to be crushing skulls right now you know? well stratosphere <laughs> like i lived with the drummer for a stratosphere for a couple of years and um while they were writing palace of mirrors and um their <laughs> their rehearsals were 12 hours they would do 12 hour rehearsals they were just the most like everything right. like every like mind-boggling thing like they could think of a band doing they would do like they would like like sit and work on a like a 17 whatever fucking rhythm for like nine hours until they got it down all together and just were all mixed and all made sense to them and they, they like they would f literally practice for 12 13 hours and they'd be like all right we got 20 seconds done and like they would be like like that's like how they worked and it was just like sitting it was like excruciate he would just tell me like the excruciating like fucking like kind of zappa kind of like sitting in the studio and just fucking sitting there forever and just trying to work on this one part until it was perfect and then they'd go on to the next one and sometimes he said it would flow like fucking water and they'd get minutes and minutes out and sometimes it would just be like working for you know 10 hours for this 20 second part you know yeah like yeah. insane I, I hear i hear bungle a lot in a stratosphere and that that whole it's like a tongue-in-cheek goofiness but it's still cool and tech primus yeah. style type thing it, it uh they yeah, were the, more into it on the previous albums, but with Palace, they kind of got mature. But I mean, P Buck Fever was my introduction yeah. to them, and yeah, Bungle. They're Definitely. all great. Yeah, I love those albums. Well, they I bring heard, over a trade from Bungle, Bungle again. By the <laughs> <Bungle>. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, I, I don't know, dude. <laughs> Maybe I need to get up on the Bungle. I was all about <laughs> Disco Volante. That album was. Oh uh, yeah, dude. Uh, they're all yeah. great. Yeah. Carrying stress yeah. in the jaw. That fucking song, dude. That song's so like yeah. a whirlwind. Yeah. There's so much music out there that's good. And there's so many musicians, like we were talking about, that aren't even discovered that are amazing. Uh, Max, like I said, is in a house in Washington. And he's my, he really, to answer Casey's question from earlier, I'd say Max is in my favorite guitar players, too. And I got, I got to play Rad. in a band with him. Uh, and and I, I love seeing Max play. I can just watch Max play guitar for hours and, and just be have fun watching him play because his ideas are so cool and so interesting to me so mm -hmm. yeah there's just so many musicians that are amazing uh, gospel chops was an amazing website as a little kid to find not a little kid but a teenager i guess in early 20s going into the bay area churches and seeing how many great drummers are in these churches just playing in richmond and oh, that's how yeah. tony uh, uh or oh for sure thomas, thomas pridgen yeah. got discovered for the mars volta was gospel chops playing oh really yeah awesome that's cool yeah. man and yeah there's just so many musicians music is there's so many people who play it so there's bound to be yeah. a lot of people that are good that are unnoticed you know <laughs> yeah 
Fuck yeah. Alex Bent, uh, now in Trivium, he's gospel rooted. He's a, I think that's what he was doing before he did anything else. If I'm not mistaken, was just gospel drums, dude. Yeah, that was fun opening for you guys on that tour where uh, Archaic played with Alex Bent. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, I saw that show and I saw you play Nate, and that was my my life memory of you. What was so. the lineup for that again? The, what was uh, the... so the 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 California dates? You played all of them, right? Uh, we oh, we played every yeah. LA show that you guys had, uh, and we played the Pacifica show. Yeah, I, I, we played so, Oakland. We played like five of the dates. I so what was the bill? Severed, archaic, Genocost, and then the California dates would have ontogeny on them as well. Yeah. I wanted, I I say this every time, dude, but I wish, I wish that ontogeny could have came out for the whole thing, dude, because it would have been a tight, tight package. We would have too. We would have, we would have done it. They, they, I guess they couldn't get us on all the shows. They said you would have made so much money. (laughs) I think I could have, if I had already. Yeah. I, I think that was our ticket to ride and we didn't get it you know we, we aren't uh we aren't famous i mean it wasn't like the success of a lifetime dude but it would have been cool if you were out there with us the whole time dude just being able to see that every night and being able to kick it and get yeah well blazed I, all I still night. Have a blast you know I, I feel like so when archaic was on he mentioned that and he said yeah this tour is kind of beat i was having fun because i was watching severed savior play and i was watching you know alex bent play and that was fun and uh I, I have fun playing shows because I have fun playing with my band live. So, so as cliche as it sounds, I enjoy playing. I've played shows with no one in there probably more often than I've played shows with people in there. So it, it's really, it you have to find fun where you get it. And I really do have fun playing with my band in my room, on a stage, wherever the case may be. I, I, I look at my band as I play and I have fun with them. So uh, And I've I seen it many times, dude. And I can see that that's a true statement. You know? Yeah, I've seen that too. I've been to a couple of your shows where um, it's not that many people there, and you're still just fucking like headbanging. Like there's a ten thousand people in there. You know what I mean? Like you're giving it all you got, and fucking, I've seen that a few times from you. Just like it's, you're it's acting like it's fun, fucking man. sold out, fucking at Madison Square Garden, but there's 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 thirteen people there, and we're just you know we got our arms crossed because we're all looking <laughs> at each other. Like what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Yeah. You gonna want to mosh? Or are you gonna mosh? You gonna, you... <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm I'm that guy at shows too. To be honest, I'm the I'm the hands crossed guy. Are you gonna mosh? But but uh, uh, I guess for Meshuga, I'm Jack Daniels running to the pit guy. But, uh, it's it's yeah, live, in Rome. It's yep. fun, you know. It just when you guys are clicking live, whether there's somebody there or not, and it sounds good in the monitors. If it sounds good and it's fun that shit's fun i we played texas when we were on tour with soul Thunder, and there was literally no one in the audience and i remember we're playing i walked off stage and i started watching our band play and i was like these guys are all right you know (laughs) (laughs) the first time i ever got to see see my band play because there was no one there and i still had fun for that too so i I, that's funny in texas i did the same thing dude because i I brought a wireless mic with me and there was only 15 20 25 max people at this place dude and i just said fuck it dude i'm going out into the crowd i did like four songs i pitted with everybody while i was fucking doing vocals and shit like what's up dudes i'm down here (laughs) you just fucking have fun with it dude dude i remember seeing odious at that show and saying the singers got sandals on bro (laughs) 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 yep dude that's me dude that's 
like I had, a, I had a chicken uh fuck it must have been it was it was a southern state i think i did barefoot that night and and or no it was the sandals and she literally came beeline to me after the show just to tell me like why the fuck are you wearing sandals dude and i'm like <laughs> are you here to fucking look at my outfit you know <laughs> are you here to listen to some music because i'm comfortable in sandals dude yeah 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 <laughs> It's probably better for you on tour too because you get some foot funkage if you don't. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, my shit's got to air out, dude. Oh man, Definitely I can only imagine out. if you were those bands who like wear knee high fucking spike boots uh, and all this shit and makeup dude, every they... night on tour. Oh, oh no, we yeah we toured with uh... steel toes. If they made steel toe sandals, dude, I'd wear them at work, dude. Dude, I toured with the uh, Flesh Gun Apocalypse and they had like the same like kind of like whatever like classical shit they were putting on. And they, you know, it was they didn't wash it at all. They just took it off and then they like shoved it into a bag. And then next show, and they we would like have to be in the in the green room with them, and uh, it would just smell like the fucking most mildewy, fucking gross, fucking disgusting thing. And they would just all just put it on and just go out there, and it's all wrinkly and shit. And they're like, I don't give a fuck. They just go out there and just handle it. And I was like, you guys are fucking disgusting. Can what you- band is this? <laughs> Flesh oh, God Apocalypse. Flesh God. Yeah, yeah. Tour life is gross man from the, yeah i mean i haven't done as much as you guys have for sure so i can only imagine longer. it's it's yeah i just was i was fantasizing about showering every day basically when i got home i'd be like oh my god i'll take four showers a day dude i don't really know why dude, but yeah. <laughs> after a while you start just stopping thinking about them because you know they aren't coming for a while you're like just that <laughs> we're in the middle of nowhere and i don't know anyone here so i can't yeah, exactly. the house and we don't have money for a hotel or whatever so Nowadays, ah, I'm, I'm trying to treat anything we do like a vacation to where, you know, I, I, I don't, I can just fund it myself or whatever and be, yep. be as comfortable as I can do it. That, that's the way to do it for me. Uh, yeah. And I can do that too. So I'm excited to play shows when they come back. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm looking forward to writing this new album, playing this new album. Um, yeah. Keep music alive and keep it going, you know? Yeah. To kind of cap this off, cause we've been going for a few hours. Um, what, are you so you have something in the works or what's going on what's what's what's, what's yeah, the plans just, for autogeny I'm, I'm just writing music uh, like i said i'm just playing without recording that's the new goal just play play riffs that are catchy to me without recording them and hopefully i can get an album out out of that if i can remember uh, nine songs worth of material without recording it then you'll have an album that's how I see. <laughs> <laughs> just but, don't get yeah. flashed by one of those men in black flashlights and you'll be all good yeah save, it will. <laughs> save a spot on that shit for me dude Dude, absolutely. Shit, all of you could do a guest on that album. That's Can I do I a do. guest pinch harmonic? We've been talking absolutely, about that. <laughs> Get Dan Kenny to Dan Kenny style, dude. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. yeah I, I like keeping my albums collaborative. So, absolutely, Anthony, you got a spot on it for sure. Do, do Casey Howard, you want to do a cymbal crash? You got one. <laughs> you got a bass slap on it. You can, do, you can do twist. You can introduce the album. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like it's just like me like laughing while doing it and you're like dude it's in the moment i gotta keep it dude, <laughs> dude Fuck I, yeah I don't know if it was the hard times real quick about jonathan davis i thought i saw a headline that said uh uh jonathan davis visibly uh fuck. oh i saw that he visibly uh wrecked as he scats himself to he goes into his fourth hour of scatting oh, fucking hard <laughs> times hard, shout out to hard times scared man. or something like that Hard uh, times has made me about... laugh like like oh, yeah. legitimately like probably it's fifteen time. times in the last it's year, which no other fucking site. Jonathan you Davis do. 
visibly visibly panicked as he goes into his fourth hour of scatting. So, I need to meet those writers. I, I think you should do them. a death metal version of Twist, but not Twist, <laughs> like your own, like kind of inspired by Twist, like death metal. Dude, I was gonna do Ball Tongue, which has the same. <laughs> I, I don't have enough meth mouth to do it though. I can't, oh, it off. but yeah, I was going to do it. I, I have a funny corn story too, real quick in the words of Anthony. I got, so we, we are watching, uh, we're watching corn play, follow the leader in its entirety. So I'm traveling back to my childhood and I guess Jonathan Davis's ex-wife just died or some shit. And in typical Jonathan Davis form, he started crying on stage. Right. And he's bawling and the whole audience is silent. And he goes, oh, I'm sorry, guys. My wife just died a couple days ago. And I'm with Keith. And Keith didn't hear him say that. And all of a sudden, he just goes, play twist. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, man, that was the best moment ever, dude. You guys cried. You can't escape twist, though. <laughs> dude, twist will follow you around everywhere, dude. It's going to follow you everywhere, dude. That's fucked up, dude. Well, that's that fucking shit. cool, dude. I love it. I love it all, dude. This was fucking great, dude. I had a great time tonight, dude. I love the podcast, and you guys are fuck. I love all the music you guys made, obviously, and uh, thank you for having me on. This yeah, song. dude. Fuck yeah, man. Definitely Hell would yeah. love to have you back, dude. You too, homie. Yeah. Love your vibe, dude. You work yeah. well with this, dude. Yeah. I'm down, dude. Let me know. Uh, I'll always be down. I'm. I could talk music for days. So. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fuck yeah. Well, cool, dude. Go uh, check out Ontogeny. Search that shit. Find that shit. Support that shit. And uh, support us, Cali Death Podcasts. Uh, subscribe. All that bullshit. Joseph, you got anything? No. Oh, I thought I, you said you looked like you were about to say something. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Um, all right. So yeah, dude. Everybody, uh, check us out. Apple Podcasts, YouTube. We'll be back next week. And. Uh, have a great fucking weekend. Cheers. Tube it, dude.